back to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitali. Joining me, I have Josh Torres. My favorite genre of games, leaks. Adam Vitali. Hello. And Chow Minwoo. How's it going? We are missing James Galizio today because he is our boots on the ground in Southern California, because we are recording this uh, on Saturday, June 10th, basically sandwiched between a handful of all the different random summer showcases, publisher directs, all those things. And James is having a lot of hands-on opportunities on site in place. So he will be reporting back next week with all of the juicy details. Um, So to kind of tee us up for at the time we're recording this, we have witnessed and we're going to report on the events of Summer Games Fest, the main showcase that was held on Thursday, the Gorilla Collective stream of all the new indie announcements, uh, a, a certain Instagram goof that we're going to be leading off with in not too long. Um, we are recording this on the same day that the Future Game Show, um, Wholesome Direct, and uh, Games Radar stream. So those, anything from those we will report on next week. And then within the next couple of weeks, uh, within the next week, we're looking at a whole lot of publisher showcases, the Xbox showcase, uh, PC gaming show, Capcom, uh, RGG. I'm sure I'm missing one. But so this week will be pretty heavy on news. But next week, I feel like we're going to have a lot of heavy hitters landing in seven days. And by the time you're listening, five hour Final Fantasy 16 stream. Oh, yeah. Um, We might talk. we, We might talk about that. Maybe. I don't know if I could ever be excited for any game to watch a five-hour stream, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, good for you if you are. Just, that's a lot. Yeah. That's, that's too much. I, you, know, you know what I'd rather do that five hours? I'd, play the, I'd rather play the game. Yeah. They're almost certainly going to release the demo. I, I'm but... sorry, but every time when someone says the word Final Fantasy 16, I just kind of zone out and not pay attention because I try to keep the game kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's you know that that's the marketing that they want to do because that's that's the way you sell sell games these days. But you know, shout out to James, like you know we mentioned earlier. Like normally during this, I guess not E three time since E three is not really a thing at, at uh, this year and maybe not ever again. But normally we'd have a team of like maybe five to six people out there, and instead, like you know, because the kind of kind of scattershot nature of this whole thing coming together. We just only have one out there because James is the only one really local to that now since I moved out of California. So, you know, and I if think I was still a lot... California, I would still go. I would. I would go definitely. But that's how and it goes. So, I Good think a lot of this James, stuff kind of came up uh, like really quite. It kind of came together really quickly. So normally for E three, uh, at least the few years that I was able to go in the last few years before it. Uh, shut down is that you know you have to get your tickets ahead of time if you don't if you're not local to the area i mean you want to know that you're going to have appointments all set up we're here it kind of feels like it's all coming together kind of not in the last moment but kind of close to that so since it wasn't a sure thing people were more hesitant to fly out there uh but yeah i, I mean like, like even then like because like when you think about like e3 e3 is a lot more organized on top of the tickets you have like appointments booked way in advance like maybe like a month out in advance this, this is like only like within a few weeks, um, sometimes yeah. even two months out in the event. And, well, and, no, no, and, no, no, and no, also, for example, for example, the Sandland game that was revealed, what a couple of days ago, that they uh, just made appointments literally after that. Yeah, uh, just that's crazy. <laughs> Holy shit! So yeah, yeah, that's like within like within twenty four hours, you know, right. if that. 
it'll um, be interesting to like wrap up with James next week because like not at the convention center, like don't know like where they're like located. Just they have the different mixers at different hotels and you know restaurants and bars around the area. So it'd be interesting to see like how did it all like come together? You just like have your contacts and someone knows someone and like yeah, we're meeting at this place at this time, or you or you get your your appointments established the day ahead of time. I don't know. It seems yeah. kind of fun, but also a little bit like just different from the norm. And we'll hear more about from James next week. But you know, but stuff like stuff like the mix indie gaming showcase, like getting canceled because that the the, the organizers didn't have the proper permits uh, to like showcase it, so they kind of they had to cancel that whole event. And then, and then I guess like uh, some some person like maybe an influencer of sorts like like held a live stream and like said, "Hey, if you were going to showcase something at this event, but well, we're trying to get as many as we can on this." instead so just to, just to illustrate you know the very scattershot nature of like this kind of whole independence from e3 and like it's it's hard trying to do like organize one event alone but having like a string of like different smaller events and like just trying to organize that and what that looks like you know it's uh it's wild it's wild so you know we, 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 we've been through this like you know for several years now ever since 2020 but you know, it just becomes it becomes bigger and bigger, and and you know, as you become bigger yet still independent from like that whole E3 conglomerate, it becomes trickier to organize because you're getting bigger. And it's interesting because like you would see arguments when like E3 was going to come back under Repop but failed to like, well, publishers don't need E3. Who wants all of their news all crowded around a single time? You're just going to be drowned in the noise, and then. That's kind of what's happening anyway. So there's like mm -hmm. the positive side of it where, yeah, there's a chance that your game could, if it's just, if it doesn't land quite right, end up kind of getting crowded out. But also if you happen to have like a well-presented showing, this is the place where you can really kind of make yourself noticed. It's kind of like that double-edged sword. So like, if you make it like your, sh if your game ends up becoming like, wow, that really neat game that was shown at PC Gamer Show 2023, that was really neat. Uh, or we talk about a game like, yeah, this was first shown a few years ago at PC Gamer Show or Wholesome Direct or wherever. If you, if you manage to land that sort of zeitgeist, I think that's kind of what publishers, especially for these indie and AA titles are kind of hoping for. Yeah. Adam, you can speak more to this, but think about like, the the frequency and of emails you get and press releases you get from like, from E3 compared to like this string of smaller events, you know, and what that looks like for your inbox, right? Mm -hmm. Just, well, like it's, just it's... today, it's, you know, we have three different streams going on. Um, they're all more double A indie focused. So sometimes it's a little bit, you know, in terms of like coverage scope, in terms of what games are being announced, what games do we need to cover, in terms of our genre scope of being an RPG, it's like, wait, uh, which game was revealed at which showcase? Who's the publisher again? And uh, then some of them we get emails for, some of them are so small that we don't because they're not really being published by, you know, a PR agency. So it's, it's trying to make sure we get all the information for all the games that are being revealed, even though they're smaller scale can be a little bit tricky to make sure we, you know, have all the details. If it's not clear already, this will be a pretty uh, news focused podcast, even though I think next week will even be bigger in that regard. But at least this way, we can kind of shrink what's on our plate in seven days by covering all the things that have come out. Um, so far, uh, a couple of things even ahead of when initially planned. Uh, we will have a small games talk section here at the start of the podcast for a couple of games. Uh, kind of keep it a little bit abbreviated this week, but we are going to focus on a major release uh, that of the last seven days, and that is, of course, Diablo 4. 
So I do know that several of us on staff have had interest in playing this, but the person who has made the most progress on Diablo 4 so far is Josh. So Josh, I have not managed to have time to start Diablo 4 quite yet. Um, I was listening and watching to you at play uh, last night or the, or the night before. Um, you had made your way, I believe, through Act 1, uh, a few hours into the game. I'm not quite sure exactly how many, but uh, what are your thoughts on this so far? Just kind of tee us off with uh, this release. Yeah, this one's... Uh, the. It's an interesting um, kind of evolution of uh, where they where the team has gone from you know the first Diablo, of course Diablo two, and then you know Diablo three, and then to, to this game. Um, it's it's very, it's not really I don't know uh, like it's a really it's a really fun game. First off, first off, like it's still like the Diablo that you know I remember playing. You know, it's still very much like you know obviously isometric action RPG, very responsive. Uh, just very fun to like, you know, for uh, level up your character. It kind of takes um, like bits from like Diablo two and Diablo three. Like it kind of takes like the good parts of Diablo three and like kind of uh, puts on that Diablo two sort of atmosphere. Because if you remember when Diablo three first launched, um, aside from like the obviously the major server issues, error thirty seven, um, and all auction that, all house. that, yeah, the real money auction house. Um, you know, th this game doesn't have the real money auction house, but it does have you know the modern sort of uh, monetization that you, you know, yeah, the battle pass, like the, the like uh, several tiers of the of a paid battle pass. You have the the in-game shop where you can buy cosmetics. Uh, you have to like buy the in-game like you know, a certain type of currency, and then you can use that currency to buy like cosmetics. So you know, it's it's kind of takes on that modern gaming monetization model, and uh, it does have like sort of like games as a service type of stuff in it, like. Like uh, for example, in this game, um, when you're roaming around, it's like an open world. But like in that open world, like it has sort of has like that that destiny style of, hey, there'll be like oh, uh, like events that uh, people who are around can go uh, participate in it. Whoever it's uh, happens to be in that that server instance that you're in. So like when you look at the map, sometimes there'll be highlighted zones, even that you haven't explored. It says, oh, there'll be an event here like five minutes and thirty five seconds. You know, and then you'll if you want to go there, you can go there and participate either by your like by yourself or other if anyone is around. You do that, and then they reward like some experience and some loot um, there. Um, but so to to kind of you know leading into this, like well, what what is this about now? And it, I I don't remember uh, like Diablo three and the and expansion, the Reaper of Souls, like really. Red places, but it's like all fuzzy in my head. Obviously, you fought Diablo at the end of the base game, and then in the Reapers, Reaper of Souls, you kind of had like the the angel side of the conflict, if I remember correctly. I remember um, Diablo 3's story was I don't want to say it was trash too... fire to me. Okay, <laughs> I was I was going to say that, but I was gonna say it carefully. <laughs> the yeah, it was all over the place. Like you, you, so you're, it's, you're it's Deckard, Deckard, Deckard Kane. Okay, Diablo three spoilers from ten years ago or more than <laughs> he, that. He fucking um, dies at the end. De of De two, Deckard Kane's like granddaughter becomes Diablo. It was very right. and strange. turns out the warrior just had sex with that random potion seller turns out she's fucking evil okay what the hell man <laughs> like, um, okay. and, and then so my my memory from my personal impression because i did play diablo uh three a fair bit actually it, it kind of became like a holiday game with uh adam and my other brothers so we played it for a few years in a row um the the base game story i know people don't play diablo for story but that's what i remember wasn't very good or very interesting uh the expansion i thought actually was quite a bit better the reaper of souls yeah. um in terms of being just i latched onto it more uh 
from play like, the expansion. I was gonna say, um, did they did they leave the story end in a cliffhanger, like a sequel bait, and then they never made a sequel? Honestly, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember Reaper of Souls' story that I just know it was was it an focus focused? I forgot what was the the, the angel's name. I, I, it's all, uh, all, well, it's, all it's Tyrael forgot Tyrael, identity yeah. or whatever. Like he, yes, I forget if that was Tyrael. I forget if that was base game or uh, Reaper of Souls. There's there's that, gonna be someone listening that played Diablo three recently. He's like, <laughs> oh, I can't. you don't remember what's what? Like, dude, this was ten years ago. But yeah, he I, I, I think Reaper of Souls is Tyrael focused. That that like yeah, that kind of. Rem- he, of... he, he had a memory issue. Yeah. He didn't remember who he was, right. and then he's like, "Oh Just yeah, Imperial." Like yeah, um, yeah, like all of us apparently. Uh, but my the word of mouth that I've heard from Diablo Four from people that I know in person have played it is someone's like, "Hey, the story's actually good this time." Um, I don't know, like on what criteria they're judging that, but I, I haven't heard it quite as lambasted as Three was in terms. It's, of a, it's a pretty interesting narrative structure. So at the very beginning of the game, you know, you're kind of this uh, nameless wanderer. Uh, you you enter the the realm of sanctuary, and sanctuary is kind of like the land where people live in between the eternal conflict between demons and uh, angels. Um, so you you and then you kind of uh, stumble upon um, this town. Um, you you do, you decide to help them out, and then but like this town is like kind of full of crazy people. They become like even before you uh, stumbled upon them, you, they became the lift servants because at the very beginning, the opening cinematic, you know, some some bandits enter a cave, and then they 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 they're, they they've kind of been led there, and they they've reawakened Lilith, uh, who's uh, kind of the mother of sanctuary, kind of, uh, and she and Lilith doesn't take a side between. Uh, angels and demons. She's kind of like the neutral force in uh, in the eternal conflict here. So you start you, you after you save this town from like their local demon troubles, you kind of get intoxicated by them and kind of get uh, uh, let out. Uh, and uh, like as you're like unconscious, you're you're kind of you're fed uh, a little bit of the blood of Lilith, and then. You you have a resistance to it, so you're not you're not charmed by Lilith. You're not like you know you're, you don't become one of her servants, but you do gain the 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 ability to sort of interact with these like these uh ro- like these petals uh that like this met- petal motif that surrounds uh, Lilith. There's sometimes there's markings on the ground, and you show you like flashback Lilith has gone. So that's how the main story narrative structure is uh, presented. Is like you're going you're trying to track down Lilith, trying to find out. What she's up to, she we we know she she just have like a part in the eternal conflict, but she's clearly trying to like mess with humans to do to for some grand goal, but you don't know what it is. So you're, that's why you're after her. And so like at, at main story points, you've seen where she's at, and you see like this marking on the ground, and you kind of see a flashback and interact like you know what happened there. So at, at the very like you know as you start to branch out, you know after the prologue and then start going to Act One. Um, but it it does an interesting thing where after you finish the prologue, and then you're in the, you're in this town called Kyoshavad uh, or something, or, or I forgot. But um, and on the map you see that you have access to Act One, Act Two, and Act Three uh, because the, uh, the there are certain points in the map where you can start these acts. So technically, you know you can you can actually I assume by how it's presented on the map you can play these acts in any order that you want. But you know, due to proximity of where you are, it's just 
easy to go Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3 because of like where you are on the world map. If you like wanted to start with Act 3 first, you have to go all the way to the other side of the map, which you can like walk to on foot. Um, it's just going to be like you know, sort of a trek there, and 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 the the world does scale also because you have these world tiers that you pick, and like you know, the world tiers are sort of your difficulty. Like you know, in, in Diablo, uh, uh, you kind of scale up in in like difficulty as you've uh, finished the campaign. Uh, so I, I'm doing uh, a, a sorcerer. I'm on uh, world, uh, world tier two, like the veteran difficulty, because you gain more experience, better loot. You know, so I'm like, okay, sure. Um, so it it carries over like the Diablo 2 aesthetics so, like it's really dark and moody and you know kind of that dark atmosphere while you know the Diablo 3 a lot like some of the criticism from from fans of Diablo 2 was like it's too colorful what are all these colors on the screen it's too it, it feels too cheery too bright I remember that mm-hmm. and so this one really tries tries to like you know step back into like that Diablo 2 aesthetic but it's like it's not it's not as like when you're leveling up your character, it's still very much like Diablo three in the sense that like you're not manually picking what stats you're leveling up. As you're leveling up, you know, all your stats automatically, you know, well, you know, scale, and you're you get a skill point. And what it the what this does for this game is you, unlike Diablo three, where like you gain new skills automatically as you level, um, this one actually has a skill tree, and. The skill tree is kind of weird because it's so, sort of like the like it's a uh, diamond nodes, like big diamond core nodes that you progress through. But each of these nodes have like splintering skills uh, off of them. So, like say this first diamond node that I, that I start off with, you can you can you can learn either uh, uh, and or depending on like if you wanna like there's like gonna be like three or four spells on this node. There's like teleport. Firebolt, ice blades, uh, and like, so or, or like a lightning spell or like arc lash or something, and like once you get skill points, you can oh you, you like you know you can learn, you can learn ice uh, ice blades uh, and teleport, or you can like uh or you can like uh, save up that skill point and uh, invest more into that uh, skill. Uh, core skill because uh, from that core skill that you have from the from these things, there's like little pips to like enhance them. So like say from the teleport node, there's like two things. There's like a, a, an enhanced teleport, and then uh, from that enhanced teleport, you can like learn like a, like a, a teleport that um that that I don't I don't know what the te- teleport is. Uh, that it gives you like a damage buff when you um. After you teleport for like three seconds, and then there's like another teleport that say you know further reduces cooldown or something. So from that enhanced teleport, there's like two pips, and then this is the this is the the point where you either want to choose either the the teleport pip that uh, you get the damage buff or the one that um, further reduces cooldown. So that's that that's the that's the either or selection based off of that that enhanced teleport pip. And that and that and that's the same for like each of these other skill, skills like the the fire bolt and the ice blades, like they have an enhanced like version that like you can uh, learn from them that will further uh, you know reduce their cooldown and make them more potent, and then have two more pips from that enhanced node that will actually like uh, give additional properties, but they're but each property is both d- different from uh, each other. If that makes sense. I'm trying to remember so, Diablo 3. If I remember right, in Diablo 3, 
uh, I remember a menu where you have like five different alternates. Like they're like little different passives when you select a skill in your skill tree. And then you kind of augment or shift it just slightly uh, using different selections. But it, it's been too pretty, long to yeah. remember the minutiae. Yeah. But that, I that's forgot that's that was all level gated. Like, like I'm trying to remember if that's all level gated. Like, say, like, like lightning hydras and venom hydras. I forgot if, like, lightning hydras you unlock at, like, say, level 37, and then venom hydras you unlock level 39. I forgot if, like, you unlock that linearly. I think not. you unlocked, like, more. You could slot more passives the more you leveled up. Okay. Um, so I believe, like, once you're level, what's the max level? I don't remember. Uh, 80. You could slot, like, five passives. Time to go to the Diablo wiki and double check. No, actually, I'm not going to do that. But but I, but I do remember yeah. like uh, every 10 or 20 levels, you like you had to pick one or two passives and then it could eventually slot three or four more um, once you're max level. So that's how three worked. Yeah. So as you're as you're slotting in these uh, skill points, you're gradually making progress to like the next major diamond node that has like another set of like core skills that you can learn from it. And I'll have like that. Uh, each course has like their own miniature like tree. That gives you the enhanced version of them and then like the either or property that like you can learn from them so as you're uh investing uh, skills into like the previous diamond node you're making progress to the next one as well um and then at, at any time like you know you don't have to like make progress on the latest one to, to further increase like your the, the main linear progress from node to node so you can always like go back and like further increase like you know the the level rank of like an older spell or skill, and you're still making progress like the next like major diamond node. You're you're not you're not locked to always be investing points into the latest one to make progress. So it's fairly versatile in that aspect. You can there's like you know a lot of uh, build variety. Um, you can refund skill points in this up to like level thirty, I believe, and then it'll start having like a monetary or re and or resource cost uh, to. Oh, so, that's kind of uh, interesting. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Yeah, so so eventually you will have to like lock into a build, but like you could you can always still refund, but it'll start costing you in a more permanent fashion um, if you do. So, so you're not always locked to it, but at a certain point, you know you have to start making decisions of if you want to uh, save as much as possible um, in the long run. So I guess that's just like the modern game design thing that we we're talking about, kind of with the uh, battle pass and the. Uh microtransactions and all that yeah so uh it's a fairly like no re real money auction house that's gone all right <laughs> yeah so and uh so overall like i think it's been uh you know i'm still i'm still like in my first playthrough still kind of love leveling i'm like level 20 ish yeah level like a like a little little over level 20 now um i've only been playing alone for the most part but it's still a lot of fun i'm doing like a frost uh mage build um and th that's been really cool there's like uh, there's a, there's like interesting things like some of like the like I, I got a legendary uh that like gives like a barrier um when i'm like um when i'm damaged and uh when i have low health and, and then like it'll it'll pop up a barrier and i'm like able to kind of fire off my spell rotation that's like very freeze focused uh from it so i do have like a, a safe space um to kind of fire that off and not worry about like incoming damage um i, I still haven't like uh don't really know what the paragon system looks like because obviously i'm not uh max level yet and and the story is like okay for the most part like these acts are very much like self-isolated stories uh, on npcs that are following lilith's trail like that uh, of people who have been affected by lilith so in the first act you kind of meet this um 
this lady who's uh, searching for her missing mother. They learn that, like, you know, Lilith, uh, like, uh, ambushed her, uh, her, uh, the, the people that she was with and, like, and kind of, like, kidnapped her mother to kind of do her bidding because she needed, um, like, the, like, the blood of a human to like kind of gain uh passage to a certain uh thing so you you kind of kind come face to face to like you know the, this uh woman's mother who's been corrupted so like you're kind of forced to put her down because she's too far gone already you know and and then uh, and then you know that's very early on in her arc and then she's struggling with the grief of that and you know and she's trying to make a you know ultimately she's like lilith has to pay so like she you you help her out trying to trying to like gain passage to where Lilith was um because you had to like find get a blessing to be worthy enough to follow Lilith uh, through this passage um so you kind of go, have to sidetrack elsewhere to find this bl- blessing at like a nearby uh, town and do their rituals and stuff like that and ultimately you know kind of have to witness like this this the uh, daughter kind of deal with her grief and like making it like let, letting her mom go like letting her pass on peacefully because like she was trying to keep her spirit at bay and like the, the realm of sanctuary and so on and now in act two you know you go you go off to another like uh, somewhat far off town and you, you you meet another uh set of people who are you know little has gone through there they're trying to figure out what is little up to uh, as well, so that, that that this seems to be kind of going to be the on-running theme of like, well, like you know, what, what's the lift up to? And um, well, and if you can ever catch up to her to to be there where she where she's at at the moment, stuff like, oh, Lilith's been through here. Right now, it's been a lot of, oh, I'm here, but Lilith isn't here. I I missed her. I didn't get her. <laughs> you know? This is going to be a bit of a tangent, but also kind of relevant. You know what that reminds me of? Hmm. Like the first half of the original Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> where it was like Sephiroth, Sephiroth was here. Sephiroth was here. Sephiroth was here. Yeah. But, so right, uh, yeah, but, yeah. How I've been playing right now is I've been mainly doing main story quests. If there's like any like like class related quests to like go to uh, like unlock enchantments, uh, I've been doing those. But other than that, I've been doing main story quests because I hear very late on in, in the campaign you get a horse, and that makes traversing the open world a lot faster. So I'm just like, okay, I'm not gonna take a lot of time to like you know deal, do all these side quests if i know i have a, a faster means of traveling uh later down there because everything scales so like if i go back to these side quests they're still going to be like at my level appropriate thing um and so forth and, and i think that's how co-op works too it's like if you're co-oping with someone and you have like uh you're facing a mob that mob will be level appropriate for you and then that and then that mob will be level appropriate to them so they're still getting something out of it like like you know, so, some level progress at level appropriate loot so like in that in that sense um it, it's kind of fair all around but you, you don't feel like you're kind of being um held back because you're helping someone much lower level than you or they're being um, carried yeah yeah in some aspects you're still being carried but yeah for sure mm-hmm. um the, i think uh oh, yeah I, I almost forgot to mention like i think at level 20 um you gain like an uh an enchantment slot after like the a side quest and what this is like it's it's pretty interesting because it each each skill that you learn has an additional um effect that I've called an enchantment effect and you can so you can slot any skill into this enchantment slot and it'll give you different effects so example uh I have a blizzard spell I know blizzard for sorcerers like you know you you, you fire it off um uh, it it, it kind of 
puts the ground uh, like in, in a cold state for a while. It'll slow enemies going through it as they're taking AOE damage from it. Um, so if you if you slot, you can have this both in your active slot and like if uh, in your enchantment slot. So obviously you can fire off the spell like normal, but also if you put off put into the enchantment slot, it'll have the additional effect of it'll cast a blizzard around you for free, uh, like uh, every fifteen seconds for six seconds. I or like, like that. You... I actually remember that from one of their um, developer diaries, probably like twenty twenty one or twenty twenty, pretty early on. Uh, it's just it brings a nice aspect of build craft to it, where it's not just choose one or the other. It's offensive, defensive slot matters, right? Yeah, and then like if you put like teleport in the chat enchantment slot instead of like, um, oh yeah, I forgot to like mention like this the, this game inherently has the it, it, when Diablo three Reaper of Souls came to consoles, you know they had that that, that dodge roll uh, that they added for controllers. Now that's just like a universal thing that for both PC and controller player, uh, you know, keyboard and mouse and uh, controller players can do so that's just a universal mechanic it's not like my well i um, only ever played diablo 3 on uh playstation 4 or 3 yeah one of those and yeah. i just i didn't realize that that was added for that it's neat yeah it was added for that so yeah so that so so like if you um put teleport in the enchantment slot it'll turn that dodge roll into like another teleport um that that is on cooldown as well so the just little stuff like that like you can like uh slightly tweak like your build um, with these little nice effects, um, to whether you want to use it offensively, defensively, or more like or like situation utility wise, like that teleport enhancement. So um, that's just like my kind of quick rundown of Diablo Four right now as I'm going through it. It's 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 a bit, it's been fun. I'm really just to see like you know what end game looks like, um, how it progresses from there. Uh, uh, I, I'm not playing a hardcore character. If I was playing a hardcore character, I would have. Uh, had my run wiped uh, last night because they're, 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 of course there will be some uh, when you're doing solo bosses they can be quite cruel when them having mechanics that push you into explosions and since I'm a sorcerer I'm kind of not, not the tankiest so sometimes I'll get one shot and you're just like well them's the breaks so but yeah it's 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 been um, I'm interested to play more of it uh, it has me hooked right now yeah, whenever I do get around to Diablo 4, I'll probably just stick to a very simple story mode run. That's kind of how I treated Diablo 3 as well. Um, won't probably go into the post-game season stuff, even though I know there's been a few statements from the developers saying that they're intending to have people play this game for a long, long time, which is, of course, kind of par for the course for the series. The only other game that we have explicitly listed to talk about here before we go into all the slate of news is that I wanted to just have like five minutes to wrap up my thoughts on a game that I introduced last week. Uh, and that was my starting time with the System Shock remake, which finally did release on PC and is slated for consoles, I believe, later this year. I forget if the date specified yet or not. Um, so I did finish System Shock uh, about three days ago, and I just wanted to kind of give some final thoughts here uh, very loosely. So when I last talked about it. I was talking about how I was really glad how it had that old school feel. It doesn't have a lot of overall cutscenes or in playing the game. It's very clear what the game is within five minutes of booting it up. There's no like learning curve, really. It's very, very straightforward, very, very um, specified scope. I'll put it that way. Whatever the opposite of scope creep is. It doesn't have a lot of superfluous systems. It's very, very streamlined in a way that seems very smart. Um, when I was playing this game, the one anecdote that I want to bring up, and Adam was actually watching me play this, and people who played System Shock back in the 90s or have played the remake uh, might have an impression on this, but 
There's a region of the space station of the Citadel that you're in called Beta Grove. So as part of the um, recovering the Citadel from Shodan, uh, about maybe 60% of the way through the game, one of the wings of the station is completely contaminated with like mutated plants and contamination and radiation. And you go in there and it's like a, um, a dot debuff on your, on your character that's constant. You can't do much of anything about it. The one shield that you can find beforehand doesn't really protect against it. And I was going in there and I was trying to like find the most efficient path so that I was limiting my exposure and I was dying constantly, loading quick saves and dying constantly and being stubborn, not going back and stocking up on health items or whatever. I was just going to try to see if I could wing it. And I was and I was frustrated and I was struggling. I'm like, am I bad at this game? Am I just am I just bad? <laughs> uh, uh, and then so I so I start I, I don't like doing this, but I, I was desperate. So I start Googling mm -hmm. like System Shock Beta Grove. And the general impression I got was like, oh, yeah, that that's that area always sucked. It sucked in the original and it sucked in the remake. <laughs> um, but it's the sort of thing, though, where once you conquer it, you do kind of appreciate it because mm -hmm. it kind of stresses you a little bit. And then be, knowing that you're able to overcome it is kind of like a reward in itself. So I actually had to like, all right, time to slow down, time to go back, time to pick up all the random crap that you can pick up and like synthesize back into um, junk loot that you can then turn into credits. And like, basically it's a whole process of picking up random stuff, vaporizing it down, turning it into credits, going to the med bay, buying a bunch of med kits, buying a bunch of detox kits. Um, just scouring around, making sure I have more ammo and like getting all ready to go. Because uh, the game has a lot of resource management in terms of uh, almost survival horror-esque um, limited ammo supplies, limited energy supplies. Um, you're never quite sticking to one weapon because you're not going to ever have enough ammo just to stick one weapon. You kind of have to go with whatever you have well-stocked at the moment. So that was actually kind of fun in terms of, okay, I picked up a lot of shotgun bullets. I've never really used a shotgun, but let me try it here. Oh, the shotgun has an alternate fire mode where it uses uh, incendiary damage. Let me see how that works. Oh, I'm low on shotgun ammo, but I have a lot of energy packs. So let me go to an ion beam and see how that works. So it's kind of almost like, um, like the weapon durability system in Breath of the Wild, where it it kind of the game encourages you through limited resources to have to change up your approach, which I appreciate. And the beta growth um, that I brought up, yeah. So these these parts of games, like just in general, I'm kind of being generic here. It's like these sort of like frustrating kind of high resistance moments in games. They're kind of they can be tedious in the moment. Like you're annoyed. Like this is difficult. This is tough. But then like once you surpass it or overcome it you feel like you accomplished something almost kind of like, yeah, fuck you game. You can't beat me. Uh, and it's, it's kind of satisfying in that way. No, so, I mean, you're, you're right. And it might sound a bit silly, but you are right. So like I went, I came back to beta Grove. I, I made like a new hard save and I had like six med kits and four med pats and med packs and a bunch of detox kits and crap ton of ammo. Cause I had gone and like scoured all the corners. Uh, the game has this kind of like limited respawn. Like as you progress through the story, Shodan will throw more enemies at you, which kind of keeps you on your toes because just because you cleared out a room doesn't mean you won't go back there and see more enemies spawn. Um, but if you don't progress the story, it's very, very likely that if you re go, re -go through an area, it will be kind of clear. So it does kind of have like this accomplishment 
feeling where it's like, okay, I'm going to go back to the to the maintenance level, but I've already kind of cleared through this and progressed most of the quests here. Um, there's no like explicit quests, but all the tasks that you had to do. And it's, and now that all the enemies and all the hostiles are kind of cleared out, I'm going to make sure I find all the cameras, find all the like hidden uh, hidden items, all the different little storage lockers, and you know do some inventory management. When it went back to Beta Grove, um, and it was one of those things where it is a resource drain. I went in with like, like I said, like six or seven med kits, ended up using like two thirds of what I had. But that's kind of like the reason why I went to go gather them in the first place. Um, and like I was able to get through and it, once I had paced myself, prepared myself and took my time, I was able to clear it. And that was probably like the hardest single part of the game. It was a little bit downhill from there. Uh, and the game, like any good kind of... Uh, it starts out very immersive semi. It feels more like a straight up FPS in the back half um, where it's a lot more combat focused. Your arsenal has grown from a couple weapons to like six or seven, like an old school, uh, like what do they call those dad shooters, boomer shooters, boomer shooters. Uh, and the only thing that I think the has the game a little bit end on a whimper is they didn't know what to do with like the final showdown with Shodan. Um, I won't spoil it specifically, but you fight her in cyberspace. So it's like a very unique gameplay system mechanic setup that doesn't play like the rest of the game. And I'm pretty sure is impossible to lose, but it also doesn't have the spectacle aspect of it. So it just kind of feels like a weird, like, oh, I guess we got to end the game now. It's it's not bad. It doesn't like ruin my experience, but it was just like it wasn't the highlight. Um, right. Uh, and so kind of kind of like no strong feeling one way or the other uh on that so i enjoyed it and um i don't know like it's for those that are, i know i kind of stated this last time and it's a very like normie take but if you did enjoy prey to from 2017 you will almost certainly like system shock if you haven't played it back in the 90s or anything like that i will say that i had a very persistent bug that was really frustrating that I saw on the Steam forums that other people were having as well, but doesn't seem to have been addressed, is that every once in a while, both my left click and right click just wouldn't register. And left click, of course, is fire, and right click is like interact. So that's really frustrating when you've got like your rail gun and you like are dodging in and out of fire and you've got your you got your shot lined up and you press fire and it doesn't go. You're like, God damn it. Uh, your gun so jamming. It's just realistic. Well, like I was wondering at first, like, is there some sort of hidden mechanic? Because obviously, like, if you're using an energy weapon and you run out of energy, that can happen. But it was like pervasive, I and mean, even wow. like interacting with like doors or trying to pick up items, it wouldn't register. And I saw other people, I'm like, all right, this has to be like unintended. Maybe if you played it with a controller, but I played with mouse and keyboard. So hopefully they fix that. Um, that was really like the only other blemish on the game. I saw some people really up. I won't, I won't say up in arms. That's probably too dramatic, but kind of frustrated that achievements were unlocking weren't unlocking um i didn't really care about that but it's like it is a bit frustrating if you are trying to get that it's only on steam at the moment um 100 steam completion like the the achievement for beating showdown doesn't unlock properly like silly stuff oh. like that <laughs> or the, okay. the, the achievement for like beating the game does but not for the one like defeated showdown that's um, funny and it's like uh you can always use like steam achievement manager to get that but hopefully they um they uh they they released a patch for a few of the other issues like some of the soft lock issues a, a day before recording this on friday or the ninth or saturday or thursday the 8th but took me about 25 hours i'm glad i'm glad i played it uh I, it's not quite an rpg honestly but it's kind of in that adjacent space uh with a lot of the same kind of look and feel of 
of a first person RPG. But yeah, uh, enjoyed my time with it. I might write something up. I might not. Uh, we'll see. I am interested to see if this does well. If they try to do a System Shock Two remake and how long that'll take. Because I, I was, like, I, while System Shock One is cool, I think my my, my fondest memories of System Shock was in the second one. So I'm interested to see if this does well and like what a System Shock Two remake would like look like. Oh yeah, I guess there was a a, a note that within the first week of of uh, sales, it sold uh, eighty thousand. Which apparently like exceeded expectations. Oh. Um, so let's see. I wonder what their expectations were, because like yeah, eighty thousand. I guess I don't know eighty like relative to what games sell these days, right? Like eighty thousand seems on the low end. Mm-hmm. But I, if it's you know if it's above eternal expectations, then like that's great. You know that's awesome. But this is according to Game Sensor, so I don't know if they're trying to like extrapolate that based on uh, oh. other other parameters. But as far as I know, Night Dive hasn't um, announced anything. But hopefully, it's done well. It seems like it's uh, um, been received pretty well outside of a few bugs. So considering it wasn't quite development hell, but kind of close to it. So considering all that, I think it's a good accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sure they'll eventually expand platforms and see how, how that'll do uh, in the long run. And the last thing that I'll call out here before going into our slate of news is that we do have one major feature outside of news up on the site. Um, of course, last week we talked about the uh, new or really the first gameplay look at Dragon's Dogma 2. And of course, we do have the Capcom showcase in just a couple days or is it literally tomorrow? No, it's in two days. Um, so we're likely or potentially going to see more from that there. Uh, Mirror Knight, who had freelance on the site before, I forget what their previous feature was about. I'll go see if I can search that up. Uh, wrote up a feature about when could Dragon's Dogma 2 take place relative to Dragon's Dogma 1. Uh, some of the cut concepts from Dragon's Dogma 1 that didn't quite make it in. They didn't quite make it that could be addressed in Dragon's Dogma 2. Just basically a very fun speculative piece about what Dragon's Dogma 2 could bring to the table based on um, what, you know, the development of one and how that was received and the return of all that talent for the sequel game 10 years later. Yeah, um, this was a really, really great piece that um, this contributor Mirror Knight uh, posted up. That's kind of like what Alex and I have been talking about ever since they showed off, they keep showing off Dragon's Dogma 2. Is like mm-hmm. a lot of it is like for people who are really on the deep end of like following has followed like the development of Dragon's Dogma, like all the all the development talk that's come out ever since its original release, like a lot of like the concepts that they kind of scrapped for that game uh, is like kind of being reintroduced in the sequel, and that makes us really excited because a lot of that co- a lot of those initial concepts were like very wild and out there. It's like like that's kind of crazy that that like this amount was like cut for that game. It still turned out really well, of course. But like they could have gotten even even wilder, and it seems like some of that is being reintroduced in the sequel, and that's pretty exciting. One of the things that so some of this was like from GDC talks back in like 2012, mm-hmm. 2013, uh, from Insono and Co. Like apparently one of the scrapped ideas was a hand glider, like very Breath of the Wild esque the way it was described. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see like you know they had that concept that idea in mind but just couldn't implement it. And then of course we talked about during the reveal trailer the um, I forget what they're called if they even have a name but the feline race. Uh, was an initial concept for the first game that couldn't quite make it in that is now here in this in the in Dragon's Dogma 2 based on the trailer. 
But yeah, it, the, the title of that feature up on the site is Dragon's Dogma 2 could be cashing in on the original game's concepts in the best way possible. Which is all we can really expect from a surprise sequel, you know, so many years later. Is it really a surprise? Everyone keep hinting there is a sequel all over there. I mean, we didn't know for the longest time Dragon's Dogma 2 was going to be a thing, right? Because because we've wanted a sequel ever since the first Dragon's Dogma, then they came out Dragon's Dogma online. Like, the sequel was never guaranteed to happen for as long as it took to mm. uh, take to announce, you know? It was only until after they shut down Dragon's Dogma online and then they put up, like, that, hey, Dragon's Dogma anniversary celebra- celebration, right? That like it was very, like that that's kind of like the everyone was crossing their their fingers and toes for the sequel announcement that they did bring there, but a sequel was never guaranteed for for that at all. So it's not like so I I I wouldn't be under understating or undermining like the significance of this game having a sequel because for many fans, Dragon's Dogma is a near and dear game to their heart, and I don't want to take that anyway uh, anything away from that um, in regards to like the the sequel being a known thing or not because it was never guaranteed. Yeah, that's true. And with that, we will go on into our news slate. So our news slate is kind of binned here into four categories. The big two are Summer Games Fests, uh, then the Gorilla Collective, some other news that was announced uh, in the meantime, just kind of along the side. But we are going to go open up with uh, the one thing we kind of have to open up with here. And that is we finally got in a roundabout way, confirmation of the long-rumored, now kind of confirmed, remake of Persona 3. This was spotted on a inadvertently posted Instagram video, likely to receive more information at the Xbox Showcase, which at the time of recording hasn't been conducted, though at the time of you listening likely has. So we are speaking to this based on the trailer footage, but without any accompanying uh, press details otherwise, because this is unofficial at the point as I speak into the microphone. So Persona 3 Remake is officially titled Persona 3 Reload. Looks built from the ground up, coming in early 2024. Now, a lot of the details we can kind of speculate from the one minute trailer here. uh, And based, of course, on all the leaks and rumors that have been circulating for a long time now, for instance, we only in the trailer footage, it only shows the male MC. Don't know if that confirms or denies presence of the female MC. Uh, don't know about presence of the answer, the FES content, um, though it does seem to indicate direct control based on a couple of bits of gameplay footage. So that was introduced in Persona 3 Portable. But of course, all these details are gleaning from the trailer and not from the uh, any sort of official information from Atlas. So I'll hand it off to Adam here. Uh, I have not actually played Persona 3. The first one I played was 4. But when you look at the footage of Persona 3 Reloaded, how do you feel? Actually, I, I have played most of it. Uh, I haven't fully beat Fez, like with the female MC, but I beat the original a lot. I got, I even beat the secret boss too. Well, well you, you mean portable, because Fez doesn't have female MC. MC. Uh, no, I'm it. saying like the, was it portable? It has the female MC. Yeah. I yeah, didn't yeah. beat that route. Yeah, so Portable has uh, the female MC, Fess has the answer, um, mm-hmm. which is why. And then, you know, that's kind of the that's kind of been like the sticking point for years now is like there is no definitive edition. Is Persona 3 Reloaded going to be that? We would hope so, but we don't know. Well, OK, so, OK, as someone who has actually played base game, Fess and Portable, and I definitely completed all of them to completion, uh, even with female MC, um, 
uh, I will say that like this is a pretty interesting, um, like it's de it's definitely inspired by the visuals of uh, Persona Five, but it kind of retains sort of the aesthetic of Three. It's kind of it's modernized in a pretty damn good way from like first first glance. It does have like it, it does borrow um, sort of like the design philosophy and aspects that were. Uh, uh, not introduced, but um, more prevalent in five uh, uh, compared to older personas. Like when you when, when like they're transitioning like into the menu screen, like it it has that water motif, or like the 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 like the water splashing up and the and the male MCs like uh, has an upside down like like kind of like diving into the water because you know a lot a lot of uh, Persona 3's motif is like kind of like diving into the soul. Uh, sort of thing, and and you know, and the and the color blue is always has always been Persona 3's um, co color moniker. Like you know, Persona 4 was yellow. Persona 5 is red, even though it's kind of weird because in Persona 2 Nis and Sin is also ha carries the red motif as well. Uh, Persona what two? I'm sorry, yeah, that, that's a oh, tired joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So, um, it it is it is definitely. It, it looks to be really, really solid already from like visuals and design philosophy alone. I really I'm, wonder what they're, I'm really wonder what they're going to do about that, the Tartarus layout because if you remember the Tartarus dungeon in per, per, Persona Three, which is like the main thing you, the way it's that you probably worst aspect of the game. Yeah, yeah the, <laughs> the core of the game. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the way you interact with Tartarus is you know uh, uh, during the midnight hour, this gigantic tower would prop up, and then like you advance through this tower. Um, uh, through through its floors, this is where you fight shadows, kind of level up your personas, um, and but every floor that you were in had like randomized layouts. Both Persona, Persona Three, and Persona Four had this of like this had ra randomized, randomly generated dungeon layouts, but they're all very generic, kind of like not really um, fun to like explore because they're kind of like the, it feels very samey. Uh, and then like and the aesthetic of it would sort of change at at certain floors. This changed in Persona Four, obviously with um, with the whole theme of dungeons uh, and like each character having their own theme, their own environment in their dungeon, but still had randomly generated layouts for their for the dungeon floors. But on Persona Five, like kind of like one, of, it's sort of weird, but like the big thing about Persona Five was like each each dungeon was like pretty much handcrafted. Had like there was only like you know you knew the layout um, from game from floor to floor or like from as soon as you infiltrated a palace, like it was like a standard layout. Would it be hard to imagine that they make like a actual handcrafted layout for Tartarus for the remake? Would that be would that be possible? I would love to have that. I think I think it would it would I don't know. It's it's kind of hard because by by its nature, Tartarus is kind of sort of like a a, a big tower with many floors. So I don't know if you I don't know if you take uh, what what design philosophy you would take in terms of like how you climb up those floors because so because because you remember if you remember. Um, in the base Persona 3, you had like the fatigue system, where at like after you climb up a certain amount of floors, like your characters would get tired, um, so their performance in battle would be would uh, weaken because they're tired, and that means you have to call it a night. Um, there, uh, you, maybe you can adopt the, uh, this to be like more like um, having fewer floors, maybe, but with more um, uh, robust layouts. Maybe I don't know. If you were floors, that, that, but but remove the randomization, make them bespokely designed. Yeah, 
So, uh, but that, but that, but that would really be underselling like how massive the tower is, the the TARDIS tower is. Maybe right? just uh, kind of have like old Diablo games. You have like a set floor, but then there's always a randomized layout, you know, on on certain earlier aspect of it. So, I have to, I have to, be... I have to imagine they're going to improve it, but I don't know how they're going to improve it. Like, I, I can't imagine that they're going to leave it as is, like like it was originally. Yeah, people will say, "What the hell is this shit?" People actually like this, and they'll be like, "Yeah, yeah." Um, but oh man, I'm actually quite hyped for this because it is actually like my favorite out of the new Persona games. I don't like five as much because I feel like five kind of overstated its welcome, and I can't imagine the people that played well with the 150 hours that it requires to beat it if you're doing a fresh run. Yeah, and also like for for completions, like Persona Three is infamously like one of the like the Persona game that's like most strict in terms of like maximizing social links in a single run. You know, like you were, very, you have to be very, very uh, strict with like the scheduling, the calendar system, and like even there, then there was like some RNG. I, I think if you follow it, a guide and did it perfectly, you only have like a five day leeway. For yeah, you know, like... unlike Persona Four, I think Golden fixed it a little bit, but Persona Four and Persona Five, even if you have a general idea of how to be somewhat efficient, you end up with plenty of extra days. But the three yeah. is three was like follow that guide, and if you make a mistake, you're gonna be boned. <laughs> you're you're and, fucked. And also, like uh, remember that like the the this is like where, where the social link system kind of originated. So you had like a lot of like the the some some aspects of the, the social link system like that were like was cut out in uh, later Persona games, like the social link reversal. Like you know you could actually respond poorly, and like you'd get negative effects for having a a, a social link reversed. Or if uh, you just don't hang out with them long enough. Oh, yeah. Stop being friends. And you have to, like, waste I like, almost, like, an entire week to, like, repair the social link. It's just fucking... <laughs> it's brutal. It, yeah, I, I, like, I, the, to me, I kind of like that aspect of Persona 3. Of, like, there's just, like, some things about it that, like, it's frustrating. But, like, it in a way, as I, as I played later Persona games, I kind of weirdly miss that aspect. Because I kind of like being able to... Having that upkeep, that constant upkeep of, like... You know, you do want to like hang out. Like, if, if you don't hang out with someone for a long enough time, like they'll kind of feel sort of abandoned if you kind of just ditch them. You know, like I could, yeah. like, okay, that makes sense. It'll be, it'll like, be like the that's, that's really, really I had no consequences doing that. It's like, yeah, it doesn't feel realistic. I mean, I know it's a video game, but you know, yeah. But so you know, this is a <laughs> this is a kind of like I'm really excited in that sense, but it's also a big bummer that like you know they they blew it on leaking like you know the official source. Leaked it themselves. It's not like a leaker looking that did it for cloud. It's like, hey, the official people did accidentally ha- put it up at the wrong time. So you know, a big a big spot of that Xbox showcase. You know, it's kind of now known. Obviously, there's gonna be more stuff at the Xbox showcase that we do not know uh, that we're looking forward to. But this is kind of obviously one of the big announcements. It was very heavily rumored. Um, but seeing seeing this like be official coming early next year. Um, it's exciting. It's uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what 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 they decided to leave and what they decided the, they decided to improve on, and what, uh, most importantly, what is new in this. I'm excited to see like like sure the visuals are cool, having it uh, a more modern uh, take on it is cool. But I'm more interested like what are the gameplay changes, what are like the system changes, like uh, what do they do for certain social links. And obviously, you know, what are they going to do? Like, I'm, I'm excited to see, like, the, the rival squad, what they look like. You know, the one with Chidori and the Not Jesus and the and the nerd. Um, I Jin? Jin. Yeah, Jin. 
Fucking uh, idiot. Yeah. So this is this is exciting. And also, like man, I I I can uh, I don't I'm know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know to think. I don't know what to think. Really, like at the end uh, of the day, I'm just kind of curious. Like, what's going to happen with the English release? I mean, like the voice actors, are they going to reuse the old ones? Especially like some of them are like blacklisted. Like the I imagine not. I, I imagine that, that there will be some voice actors that are going to replace us because you know some time has passed and some of those you know voice actors have become you know bad eggs over the years. So I you know like it's a very normal thing to kind of you know get new uh, voice cast roles if. You know, and, not, you, and wouldn't, wouldn't even be the first time the persona yeah. English cast got replaced. Exactly. So. You remember Chie? Chie. Yeah, she got like four different VAs on one. Yeah. But no, it was just two. But still. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that Naoto obviously, you know, also got uh, voice actress changes. And um, nobody still even know who the original one was. I know that I, I love the original Naoto voice actress. I have no idea. Still to this day, I have no idea who it is. Um. But yeah, um, the other changes. I, I'm also wondering, mm-hmm. like, what in the battle system? I actually love it that you can't control your partners. I know, I know, but the game is actually designed that way. It's like your AI is actually like very smart on what what you tell them to do. They just get frustrated in the game because they have no idea what the hell is going on. Right? Yeah, uh, obviously, like the the some of the some clips of the. Uh, trailer like uh brian mentioned already like that they, they, you do have direct control of your party members it would be cool if like they still had like a, the auto change like um where like you can you can still set it um so that they automatically uh you know uh control themselves because there are some aspects like you know personal three where that's useful about you're just like going up floors making progress you know not every battle encounter will be like you don't need to like control all those characters like yeah, for so, bosses this is more is more important sure but like for like random mobs it's like whatever yeah so basically in the trailer there's not much combat footage but the one bit that it shows is inputting an action for yukari well yeah. so so there you go direct control at least is an option which i feel um, like even if it worked without it before i do kind of feel like that's the right move for for a release in 2024 you know that trailer is fake because she actually hit <laughs> so so i mean I, uh, obviously more importantly this, this is looking like it's gonna be a worldwide simultaneous release this is also coming to xbox game pass on day one which is a big win for them um obviously the, the, the leaked version of this trailer was probably meant for the xbox showcase so they only show the xbox platforms for now also coming to xbox one um adam but... was actually like, like almost complaining genuinely and legitimately about this so it's not uncommon like especially for like a nintendo direct that a title is announced and then like within 10 or 15 minutes we get the trailer uploaded on like square enix's or whoever the publisher's website saying it's okay it's also coming to playstation or xbox or pc or whatever however we, only about a year ago or so we had the announcement of um like persona 3 portable and persona 5 and then it was almost like a timed exclusive platform announcement because we didn't learn, yeah, they're coming to PlayStation as well until like a week later, officially. It was really quite silly. Um, so I'm hoping they don't do that again. I'm hoping it's just clear that we get direct news from Atlas shortly after the Xbox showcase saying that, yes, this is going to come on other platforms because, of course, it is. I, I feel like that's not going to be the case. I bet you that Microsoft paid to just have the. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. So they, they they grab that bag. It's like, oh, you just want us to late like for 24, 48 hours. Like, okay, yeah, easy. Pay, fucking thousands pay, pay, pay us. Yeah, pay us six figures or whatever it is yeah. for us to pretend it's 
Game Pass in Xbox exclusive for a week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, there's no way there's exclusive well, to, to that. No, market. I mean, yeah, that's okay. market reality. <laughs> yeah, not officially announced for PlayStation. Well, it's not officially announced, I guess, in any capacity, but it'd be silly to come back here in a week and be like the Xbox exclusive Persona 3 Reload. We know that's yeah. not the case. I think the, the just the remaining question is like, is this coming to, to Switch uh, along with like the other Persona thing that leaked? as well yeah so i guess we can go moving on into that so the other news that is also slated to be officially announced at xbox showcase but was inadvertently revealed on atlas west's instagram is the announcement of a persona 5 spinoff called persona 5 tactica as the name implies this is like a grid-based strategy rpg based on the character in the world of persona 5 I don't know if there's anything in this trailer that indicates like any sort of like narrative um, positioning. It seems like it, it infers that the cast has kind of been separated into like a different world. So it feels like it kind of could slot in anywhere, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks to be like, you know, like a alternate setting, like mm-hmm. uh, sort of like uh, the, the, they're like sort of like a personified striker situation of like, Hey, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of removed from the main plot line. They they have uh, other adventures. Obviously, in Persona Five Strikers, that took place after it. But like all the characters that they kind of meet are like separate from like that main core storyline. So um, this one just does, have, like sorry, go. Ahead. No? I mean, I, I just I just say this one has like a, obviously a new character, like uh, like with uh, any of these Persona spinoffs. So like yeah, they have a new um, female character that like it, it seems to like carry be carrying uh, the body of like uh, carrying like the banner of uh, of uh, revolution sort of has like that kind of like um sort of like an english uh sort of uh setting to it uh aesthetic to it but in terms of like storyline obviously this has been leaked i don't i don't really know what the storyline is um but you know it's just more it's more goofy adventures like the the the, the character portrait artwork reminds you of something that you would see like in a, a persona q game yeah, it kind of um, looks like Persona Q, but slightly different. It's really, it's that chibi-esque style. Mm-hmm. It really reminds me of some other IP, but I can't place it. Like, I don't know if I'm recognizing the artist, uh, but I can't quite place what exactly it's reminding me of. It's not quite the same as Persona Q, but for a Persona-related game, that's the closest comparison. Yeah. And, and this seems to have, like, some interesting settings to it, because, like, uh, like they're, like, it's this sort of, like, palace world um, that has, like, like distinct like locales in it so like there's like a place where like uh, at some point it looks like like uh, some uh edo era like ancient japan sort of setting and then they're like they're like in a more english like castle uh type of setting yeah in terms of like gameplay it seems to be like your your star strategy rpg style that you mentioned and then like uh, some of the mechanics in it is like some sort of like triangulation formation system which kind of reminds me of residents of fate um, mm-hmm. um in some aspects but you know it's kind of, kind of like a first uh look at it um and it's coming out like november 17th according to the trailer right so, so i think we stated it once but according to the leak trailer persona 3 reload is early 2024 however persona 5 tactica is has a clear date listed of november 17th of this year yeah so, so you know more 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 persona 5 i mean it's it's kind of the the it's what the you course. expect out of yeah it's probably <laughs> what you expect out of like new personas games these days like, they're always gonna have a shitload of spinoff games and you know it, it's cool that they branch into other genres like you know like persona 5 like the the fighting game still waiting for the five fighting game 
I don't know. That'll be that'll be the Xbox Showcase 2025. <laughs> yeah, when they leak it again in Instagram, and then it'll, it'll be, out, it'll be, it'll be Xbox time. exclusive for two weeks. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that that's kind of in some sense the biggest like a big fuck offs, but at the same time, cool news. Yeah, it's probably the biggest news of the week. Um, obviously, we'll follow up with it if there's any new relevant, very key details from obviously the official accompanying press information that we didn't get with the leak. Uh, but otherwise, uh, you know, obviously really excited, kind of nice to see that the rumor mongering can kind of stop because, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of correct, but also a lot of you know misleading information as this thing has been kind of swirling and rumoring for a long, long time now to kind of have actual something concrete to point to with it. With that, we'll go into some of the announcements of Summer Games Fest, which, of course, the some of the Summer Games Fest like on-site showing is still going on. But this is kind of the the talking over the the trailers and the announcements that came out of the stage presentation on Thursday. Uh, we're gonna open up here with I'll actually open up with uh, the Square Enix announcements. So we have two games previously announced that we're going to be talking about here, and that is, of course. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which we knew was coming out slated for this winter, and then Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, kind of the interesting mobile game, kind of collecting all the compilation info in a certain game, uh, in a single game that we've been kind of uh, wondering what happened to it, because it was originally supposed to go into closed beta like late in 2022, but then got delayed to summer. Uh, some more details on that. We'll open with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Of course, this is the second major trailer we've gotten for Rebirth. Well, before we hop into the trailer, we have to properly set the context of like the trailer itself, right? Because leading up to the trailer was like honestly fucking stupid. <laughs> like you know, because oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, because you know, the the Final Fantasy VII Twitter was like teed, like you know, kind of teed at like seven days before with like these developer developer comment images of basically of like very very cookie cutter Q and A things that just started getting posted all of a sudden like question this is the how is the development progressing on ff7 rebirth answer development progressing and uh and we're working on uh nailing down a release date in like big bull uh, big letters in green uh, of the game and that's from uh, the answer from yoshinori katase and then the next day is like from naoki hamaguchi about like how are they going to journey through this? so it's like we are offering them uh, players a high degree of freedom Explore, experience yeah, a myriad of different stories that just keeps on going on and on about very cookie cutter shit and like you know it people was like joke about it for yeah, and but, and then but, there was some speculation that like they're they're hinting at something or teasing at something it's more clear in Japanese than it is in English and my yeah. response to that is that even if that's true it's not interesting because we already know from remake that shenanigans could possibly be afoot if they're gonna do it just do it I guess. Um, the, one, the one nugget, the, the one small nugget, and it's kind of very cutty cutter answer as well, because of course you would answer it like this to get as many players as possible. Was do I need to play the FF7 remake to enjoy FF7 Rebirth? They're like, no, we have made preparations to, 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 who didn't get a chance to play a remake to, to fully enjoy FF7 Rebirth. It's like, one, I get that, that that's the answer that you would give for to get as many players as possible, but at the same time, that sounds also fucking stupid because it's like, say, it's like saying, like, Hey, do I need to have played uh, Cold Steel one, two, or three to like understand Cold Steel four? It's like no, we have made preparations to uh, definitely start on Cold Steel four. If you haven't played one, two, or three, it's like it's oh, almost okay. a degree worse than that though, because they say 
It's like having your cake, eating it too, and then some third tier, like enjoying a picture of your cake as well. I don't know. Because they're saying you don't have to play the original. You don't have to play the remake. You can start with Rebirth as your first game, they're saying. But also, if you have played the original, you're going to see all your faithful reincarnations of all your favorite events, like the the events at Cosmo Canyon. But also, also, we're going to like kind of hover this. We know more than you do about timeline shenanigans and stuff so it's like they're having their cake they're eating it too and then they're also like indulging in some third schrodinger's cake as well i don't know it's very much like i wish they would just like do it rather than like tease and tease and tease it's it's very weird yeah and, that, and, before, and before before yeah before we uh, yeah before we this also we also get the trailer as well it's also really funny like how jeff keely kind of teed it up for this because like he he did the ever crisis trailer and then, like, people were still, like, we still didn't know if FS7 Rebirth was going to show up at Summer Game Fest or not. It was still, a like, 50-50 at that point. So we thought the trailer would come after Ever Crisis, because that would make sense. So after after the Ever Crisis trailer at Summer Games Fest, Keela was like, speaking of Final Fantasy, you can now go to DoorDash and play, put this DoorDash promo code for FF16, the, this FF16 promo. It's like, okay, nice segue, Jeff. <laughs> I, I do think, like... But as someone who really enjoyed the original game and did enjoy remake, it is really neat to see some of the events at Cosmo Canyon recreated. Some of the events, yeah, on, I believe, Canyon the, the, the you know, first, yeah, first look at Genova. Um, there, the combat shows like, um, some sort of like tag team capabilities with like okay. a Yuffie and Red, and then like Barrett and Tifa, and Tifa's doing one of her uh, limit breaks. Uh, so it's like very like there's a lot of eye candy and um, uh like fan service for fans of the game like and that's kind of what we all wanted from the series back when it was originally announced yeah uh, I, I think it was, it was definitely like a, a, like gonna be something we we knew was gonna be a, a big focus this game based on uh intergrade because yeah remake intergrade was very uh, like teed us up for this like co-op attack system and it's mm-hmm. like okay they're definitely gonna start leaning on this we're starting to build the foundation of that with the uh, um in intergrade mm-hmm. and there, I know one part of the trailer that people have, at least I, from that I've seen latch on to, is Sephiroth says, like, I killed her, so who is she? Mm-hmm. This is, of course, relating to an event that happened in, in the original game, where at the events of the Nibelheim reactor, Sephiroth swings his sword against Tifa, like 15 or 16-year-old Tifa. And I actually remember, and I went to actually like read up on this, like, the game isn't very clear on exactly like how she survived that the, the impression is is that her martial arts master zangan like nursed her back to health and took her to midgar but none of that's really shown it's kind of inferred so i don't know if they're going to provide more details on that uh or if they're going to use that to kind of do their timey-wimey stuff um it's it's interesting to see what they'll do with that he's been yeah the, the sephiroth monologue was interesting because he, like it, it makes you think he's referring to tifa and like he he's kind of like like kind of teasing if he is referring to tifa like like the current iteration of Tifa as we see her in in remake in the remake timeline of like is she some sort of like some sort of like outside entity or being that's taking on the form of Tifa and that's like or, a, or, or they're doing the thing where the footage of the trailer is not lined up with the voice acting mm-hmm, and it's, yeah. it's actually referring to someone else entirely like yeah, it's actually it's Aerith or whoever like yeah. who knows uh, I, I love how some of the fans thought he was referring to Aerith, but the thing is, if you watch the Japanese trailer, you said I killed Tifa. It's like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, okay, so yeah, so it, really it's does, like I, I guess they don't want the fans to speculate like these mis misleading information there. Because, you know, and it's yeah. also layered because, like, of course, one of the major conceits of Final Fantasy VII is unreliable narrator. The events are portrayed a, sing- a certain way, and then you realize that's not what happened. 
this I is love my change happened. of ad ghosts. So, I miss my change of ad ghosts. So uh, the fact that there might be like a meta layer on top of that. So the base game of Final Fantasy VII already has unreliable narrator. This is not actually how events played out. Now we have that on top of potentially shifting the destiny of the events as they played out. It's very layered and you could go a lot of different directions on exactly what latches in what way. Yeah. And you saw, you also see, you know, you have a, a playable red, like you saw red, like in mm -hmm. battle in remake, but you never actually got to play red, obviously um, in remake. And you saw uh, Yuffie's joining up, you know, proper now uh, with them, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, a, a kind of a change up when she does join up with them, obviously from the original game. Um, you uh, you see the the Turk showing up. You see a a, a full model for Elena uh, in, mm. in here. So you do have a showdown with Elena. Um, so, and Elena was looking really cool. Like uh, I kind of uh, I wasn't expecting to see Elena uh, in this trailer for some reason. So you know that's um and you know the, just the environments you're you're, you're traveling around uh, the kind of this open world. I don't know if it's open world, but this open environment in Chocobos mm. with your party. Um, and it seems to be like kind of. I, I really wonder, like, what the future of this game is. Are they gonna like allow us to, like kind of free roam any direction, or are they just gonna still have us like follow like a set path, like narrow, like in a linear fashion? Because if it's like if it's if it's more of an open thing, it's like wow, what is the like what, what what's the scope of this thing? And they they showed at the very end of the trailer, it's like it's coming, you know, in early twenty twenty four on two disc on P PS five, and you know yeah. that like it be on two disc isn't like. The craziest idea we got on PS4 is on two discs. One is the install disc, and one is the play disc. But in the back, like, as for me, because I'm old, I kind of wanted to be that if you get the physical version of this game, I want it to be you insert disc one and play it, and I want to be insert disc two <laughs> yeah. screen to go to disc two if you're playing this physically, because that'd be really fucking cool. Obviously, for a lot of you, it's like, no, it's not. It's not you fucking cool. It's like, no, you don't understand. The insert disc screens were. Oh man, I missed them. <laughs> it's kind of strange because that, that feels like a relic of like yesteryear where it's like, this game is so great and massive. It's three discs. Oh wow, this Final Fantasy VIII, it's four discs. Whoa. And now it's like, oh, games are 60, 70, 80, 100 gigabytes now or whatever. And like, this game is two discs. It feels like they're trying to latch into that old, like, this game is so great and massive that it is two discs. It can't be contained with one disc. It just feels like I haven't seen that in like the last 10 years, but it still it still works to some extent. Um, and of course, there was plenty of eye candy in the trailer and Square Enix probably isn't as the pinnacle as they were in like the late 90s in terms of visual fidelity and presentation. But Final Fantasy VII Remake has shown that they do obviously still have like those chops. When they, yeah, when, I mean, when they it, like, it, it. There's, there's not like a, like a super big graphical leap in terms of like visual fidelity, but in terms of like kind of like environments and like kind of animations in battle, like you, you can tell like they really stepped it up um in this and i'm it, it looks it looks gorgeous so yeah I'm the, really the mithril mines look really good oh, i believe yeah. there's a, like an, an environment that i would believe is that cargo ship there's a part where they're out in uh it looks like they're out in just the field right outside of midgard looking up at the at the high vista so i'm i'm excited to see it like a little bit more open and hopefully on a gameplay front a little less um linear hopefully more I, wide linear like a xenoblade game or like a final fantasy 12 or something like that yeah, I'm definitely gonna uh, re replay uh, remake and remake integrate again before this comes out. I think I'm gonna I, replay uh, yeah, Persona Three or to... Persona Three Reload. Um, I don't know. I'm, if I'll do I'm, that. I'm just kidding. Because yeah. yeah, re remake is a 20, 30 hour game, and then Persona yeah, is not. It's fucking 
is yeah because I, I know if i know if i dive into persona 3 again uh and do all that shit yeah it's, it's not i got a lot of perfect run again and it's gonna be bad and then as i teed up the other trailer that we got from square enix is of course for final fantasy 7 ever crisis so was ending up delayed from its initial plan to have a closed beta in 2022 now on Android devices, if you pre-register, the beta will begin on July 6th and last for about a week. And then we had a new trailer for the game, which when I first watched this trailer, I was like, I don't I don't understand what's going on. Uh, so it opens up and it has a lot of like crisis core type content. There's Sephiroth talking to Genesis and then it immediately pivots to like Final Fantasy, the first soldier content. And uh, Josh helpfully said, hey, just watch the opening movie and you'll be all set. So like this trio of characters that I wasn't introduced to because I'd never watched the first soldier when that was announced in 2021 before it was shut down earlier this year. Uh, Glenn, Matt and Lucia. Uh, the most like, memorable FF7 characters. Yeah, like I don't know if they even have last names. I bet if I go to the wiki that they do from like some short stories or whatever. But uh, so Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. Uh, we had this trailer from Summer Games Fest. And literally, as I speak into the microphone now, uh, James just actually put up a preview for Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis um, because he was able to interface directly with PR and talk about the game as before it goes into closed beta this summer. And then I do know that also... You, Josh, have been kind of scrutinizing the trailer in terms of like, what is the format of this game? Is it a gotcha game? Does it have stamina? Does it not have stamina? It's releasing mm -hmm. in 10 chapters, the last we heard. But um, it sounds like the this is a bit of inference, but it sounds like there might have been a little bit of pivot in exactly how the game was going to be configured in terms of um, microtransactions, uh, rolling mechanics and things like that. What, what were you able to glean from what you were seeing out of the UI that was shared in the trailer? So uh, first off, uh, the, the as 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 we're speaking and recording, like uh, James James just barely put up uh, his feature on like his uh, hands-on impressions with uh, FF Seven Ever Crisis, and speaking with the staff there, uh, they're looking to launch uh, this game with the the full Final Fantasy Seven like original story, so like PS One FF Seven story. That's what they're uh, aiming to like launch with. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of like uh, you know speaking with James and like how he words it in the article. It seems to be taking a lot of cues on the the, the City Opera Omnia mobile game, in terms of like how this mobile game is being structured. Where the, as you're going through the story stages, there will be no stamina consumed, so you can like play through the entirety, you know, as, uh, without limit uh, on that. But obviously, in some of the UI screens in this trailer, there is like a, a stamina uh, energy system at some parts of that uh, of this because there's like you know there's like standard. Um, stages where like you kind of grind for like summons and mats and enhance your characters, you know, standard mobile game stuff. And maybe those modes will have um, will consume energy, sort of like an Opera Omnia when you go like into like the these dungeons in there where you kind of uh, gather uh, materials to enhance your characters. That's where you actually spend stamina in that game rather than the story itself. So that's what I'm assuming. This will be. This has also has like a tower uh, sort of system, and uh, you know all sorts of like uh, mobile game modes and systems that like you know that's standard in the in these types of games, um, you know uh, these days. And then so, we already saw this from one of the recent trailers, but they showcase a big a big aspect of a likely some of the randomization will be outfits like clouds in one of his I think in one of his movie outfits. It shows Aerith in an outfit that I actually don't recognize. It's like 
a battle armor dress. Like, I don't know if that's actually from something, but I'm guessing that a lot of those things will be tied to more of the stamina and the dailies. And uh, if you want to just play through the story with the original outfits, hopefully that's a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I imagine the, the gotcha system is going to be like, uh, uh, like either you're rolling for outfits or like, or um, like entirely like different, like, same characters but different outfit and different outfit means different skills so like say if you get cloud in his advent children outfit he'll have a different uh skill layout in his advent children outfit than his like f base ff7 soldier Mm. outfit um but i so that that's what i'm assuming um but obviously we won't really know until the 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 closed beta test begins and people start you know talking about what they see in it i've signed up for the beta on my device so hopefully they choose me and if not maybe well i can get into it some other way and uh try to report back and see i think it's really cool uh the visuals of this game in terms of like uh th- it's very varied in its uh visuals but it's all um it, it, it kind of encompasses like the, all the visual styles that the compilation of f7 has gone through in terms of like you have the original polygonal stuff that's like feels looks a bit more refined obviously it's not as rough but just have that polygonal style and some of it go- going through the ff7 story then you have some of the crisis score looking um, visuals when it's uh, 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 crisis score stuff that you have like even like more the highest fidelity visuals in terms of like what you see in FF7 remake. So I it makes me I, I wonder how this how they're going to consolidate this with the uh, with the gotcha system because let's say you're rolling and you're kind of trying to get a new outfit for PS1 FF7 cloud. And then you want to also want, but you also want to roll for like, um, like say a Christmas outfit for uh, FF7 remake model Tifa. You know, can you have them both at the same uh, party where you have like this polygonal cloud and this high, high def, high definition model Tifa in the same stuff in the same party, uh, side by side? Because I think that'd be really stupid and really funny, but really entertaining to see. So. I really wonder how they're going to consolidate like the different visual styles in between them in in terms of, like in in battle, and like I wonder if that like if that's a thing that will be available for like other non-story modes in the game, like say like random like farming quests outside of the story, but then in the story quests themselves, you're kind of locked into like the characters that are artistically um, and timeline-wise like relevant to that story. So it doesn't break up the visual fidelity of that when they're presenting those story stages in it. So that's kind of I'm just kind of looking forward to this just to like bin all these compilation things together because I was actually trying to like Google like who is Glenn, who is Lucia, and there's a couple different Glens apparently. There's like a Glen that's referenced in like a Final Fantasy remake novel adaptation, and then there's like the Glen with two ends from first Soldier opening cinematic. And I was just trying to like I'm like you know what it'll be nice not to have to like latch on to a dozen different pieces of media and just play through this so i don't know if yeah, that's a good thing I, or a bad I, thing but. i like i've obviously like more like the other stuff that we haven't really seen like in other like more prevalently outside of their base releases like like you know dirge of cerberus what does that fucking look like in this game like the some of the if, um, remind me because <laughs> dirge of cerberus if i remember right has uh, is it i'm trying to remember nero and someone else grabbing vice or is it the other do i have it backwards like I, it's been so long since I yeah that. I th- nero is in is in there to cerberus i think i'm trying to see i think of lucia is also there because like because it, it's also vincent focused right um yeah i can't remember um and then of course vice made an appearance in final fantasy 7 remake intergrade 
Yeah, so, and then Nero, of course, as well. So like, uh, it's it takes a little bit of research to make sure we're all up on the same page about all the different secret endings. Uh, let's see. Uh, but, but, yeah, but it it makes me kind of excited to see like how they're gonna like tell those stories there for like especially like say like the FF seven like like flip phone game. I forgot what it's called off the top, top of my head. Um, and how it does. Yeah, what was that? Is it before Crisis? I, I think it's before Crisis. Yeah, like how will that be represented in this game? I, I assume it's not going to be at launch, but like down the line when they just get some more content updates. Like uh, I me, feel like that's the thing that would be interested me the most because that game is narrow localized, so that yeah. would be like the only way to experience before Crisis in some some form. I do like read like a like a premise of it. It does sound kind of interesting, but <laughs> you know, if it's not localized, you don't know it's interesting. It just becomes this this thing kinda of like with type zero where people are like, Oh, it's never English and now they want to play it and they play it and they're kinda of like get disappointed at the end. No. I still I, I love that I love this show because the first text you see in it is like you see a, a close-up of Sephiroth calling Genesis on a flip phone, and yeah. then it just and then and that media says, "We still don't know Sephiroth." In, in dramatic text, <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> He's a basement dweller that went insane from reading some notes of his mom. Um, so it's uh, I I'm yeah, I, I, it's definitely one of those like curiosities that, that I it looks so stupid that I have to play it. The next major announcement from Summer Games Fest actually leaked like a day or two ahead of time based on a like a scraping of a PlayStation Store page. Uh, the announcement here is for the spin-off game in the Like a Dragon, formerly Yakuza series called Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name. So this was announced back at RGG Summit last year as a spin-off title of sorts featuring Kiryu and explaining some of the gaps between the events of Yakuza 6 and Yakuza 7. And this was announced at the same presentation that also showed that Like a Dragon 8 would feature both Kiryu and Ichiban. We were expecting to kind of see this at the RGG Summit that was announced for June 16th of this of this month, but it ended up showing up in the uh, in Summer Games Fest, which I thought was kind of interesting. So we got a new trailer for Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name, uh, based on the uh, information from the publisher and previously from that on the store page, a little bit about the premise, about how, uh, and we knew this from last year's announcement, Kiryu is now going by the name Joryu. He uh, has two combat styles, Yakuza and then now Agent. And my favorite thing about this announcement and the new trailer is his agent. He's wearing like a black blazer and like Clark Kent, Clark Kent glasses. And just people <laughs> kind of going, people going along with it where it's like, man, I'm going oh, to miss Kiryu, Kiryu, but this Joryu guy seems pretty neat. <laughs> just stuff, like <laughs> stuff like that. And like some of the footage shows like a lot of silly stuff as we expect from these games. Like he's using like Spider-Man tactics when he's in agent mode. Like yeah, yeah, he has like like, like 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 grappling like sort of like hooks in like an agent where he can like real en multiple enemies in sort of like a spider web, which is kind of cool. What really stuck out to me is like the enemy pop, pop population and density. Like the some of the fights that like yeah, enemy fights that that were in the trailers. Like it's very populated with a lot of like um combatants and it reminds you of like the numbers that you would see like in an end game yakuza game and you're like when it's like the big cl climactic finale you're trying to fight through everyone so you just have a lot of like combatants on screen but on this one they're, they're this like it, it might be like a standard thing where you just have a lot of like enemies on screen fi fighting joryu um that was cool um 
they, they you know obviously this is not there's, there can be no like uh, from the the footage and the description that they showed us this is not going to be in Kamurocho there's going to be no Kamurocho in this this is going to be in Sotenbori Yokohama and at the, at the at, near the end of the trailer there's like this door passages to like this very neon lit castle um type environment uh, almost looks like a like a night uh, night style paradise um sort of thing which looks um really really cool you know like uh pockets they they in the decision to say pocket circuit is here live action cabaret yeah, club fuck yeah pocket circuit yeah hell yeah <laughs> no, all, all my fucking pocket circuit stands out there uh we're back we're so fucking back um, um and from the announcement I, this was more detailed last time than this time with uh talking to uh one of the creators i forget which one specifically but how this was not a full-fledged game it's, it was compared at the time to something more like the kaito files um pre-orders are for 49.99 which i guess counts as a budget title these days uh <laughs> instead of 70 bucks um my impression is that it has kind of grown in scope it might be slightly shorter than a full line game. They've kind of shied away from using that sort of language more recently, but based on the price, it might be more of a, um, I don't want to say a budget title, but not quite. I, as think, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be like as long as like Yakuza one or Yakuza two, you know, right? Uh, yeah. that, that, that's my expectations of it, but just still, you know, pr- plenty of game and, and, for, and for, you know, series fans like me, like I, I, I have big questions of like, why, you know, here you showed up at, at like near the end of seven, and I really mm-hmm. wanted to know what happened to him between six and seven. And this is the game that, you know, will supposedly will answer those questions. So that's why I, this is kind of the one of the big releases this year that I'm most excited for. I'm so invested in that uh, storyline. And it um, almost certainly, well, at least my guess is because we know Kiryu is reappearing in Yakuza 8 or Like a Dragon 8, um, not only will it explain the gap between six and seven, but I'm, Presumably, will also kind of tether into eight in some fashion. At least that's my guess. The only bad thing about this is I'm not I'm not digging the key visual and the logo. Uh, it's kind of like it eh. doesn't feel. It feels like from a different series or something. It, like the, <laughs> the font is different. The uh, it's 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 interesting. It's kind of busy. It's kind of like yeah. It's, it's I don't know if it's interesting for me, but it's kind of like I was like okay, whatever. It's key visual. We can get past this. I'm I'm here for the game. But it's at first blush, it's like, oh, okay, okay, whatever. Because I like associate Yakuza visuals. Now, some of this I'd have to like research and see, like, was this a, a Western localization flair? Because obviously it changed the name to Yakuza and that they're now reverting back to like a dragon as is, but with a lot of like red highlights and more like artistic look. But here it's just like a render of Kiryu taking off his glasses with like this very basic sans serif font underneath like a dragon logo. So it's just interesting. It's a bit a bit of a different look, but maybe it's because it's a side story. Yeah, I mean, the, and I guess the, here is the requisite ca- shout out that um, because Summer Games Fest seems to have unveiled this release. Oh, by the way, this is coming out. Uh, wouldn't we say November November ninth? November ninth um, at the RGG Summer Summit this year on June sixteenth. My guess is we might see a little bit more details from this, but I'm guessing it'll focus on. Um, like a dragon eight yeah I, I assume we're gonna get like live gameplay demo of this or, mm-hmm. or at least like a gameplay walkthrough of the uh, of this game see it like showcasing like the new style in action uh more intimately and yeah i, I assume definitely we're gonna start gonna get for like actual first new details of like a dragon eight aside from just like a brief teaser hopefully they'll maybe show off some character designs mm-hmm. and then like kind of like the synopsis for it 
So we'll see. I, I'm excited. Like you know, the the first RGG Summit they held last year was like was really cool. They had and that. I, they announced I, three games there. They announced like yeah. Dragon Ishin. They like they announced this the spinoff side side story. I guess is more correct. And then um like Dragon Eight all in one. So I if we see a surprise this year, I won't be surprised. Yeah, I wonder if they they have anything st- like lined up like beyond the, just these two titles because lot of titles like it would be crazy to to see like what like if they also have another new thing uh, in the works. Like I wonder if they're gonna like announce let's say a Yakuza like uh, remake remastered remake of um not not, not uh, Ishin the the one before that uh, Kenzan. Kenzan. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where, like, if they didn't, I think that's fine. Here, here's this game's release. Here's this year's release. Here's next year's release. But last year they just set their own bar so high. It's like, well, what if they, what if they do that again? What if they just say, here's what's coming in 2025, and they tease something like that? Uh, shouldn't hold them to it, but it'd be, it'd be, it's fun to, you know, speculate. The last uh, major thing that's in the RPG space from the Summer Games Fest that we'll talk about here is uh, Bandai Namco and Ilka have announced a new action RPG based on Akira Toriyama's Sandland single-shot manga. Now, I'm not familiar with Sandland. This was the first time I had heard of it. Uh, were you aware it's of this one? It's pretty yeah, obscure. Yeah, it's pretty obscure for, yeah, for, your, yeah, for Western fans. Like, this is a, a Toriyama one-shot manga that released in 2000. Um, and it, it's been getting a major push uh, because it's gonna be like a like a, a multimedia project. So, uh, like, but they, this was the animation project. I forgot if it was a film or an OVA. I think it's a film uh, in Japan. This was first that that was first like teased by like the Bandai Namco video game channel, like Entertainment America itself. Um, and I always found that very interesting. I was like, I like it's like why is the why is Bandai uh, uh, Entertainment like advertising um like uh the like a sandland animation project on their thing and, and like at the time i was like i wonder if it's like a multimedia thing and I, this answers my question it's like yes it is so you know they're working with ilka once again they worked with ilka from with, uh, on one piece odyssey um so that uh, partnership has been going very well so yeah they they announced the sandland um a video game adaptation um i forgot if they announced a uh, playstation 5 xbox series uh, xbox one and steam um, no release date, and um, the you know they showed like very like um, preliminary gameplay footage and setup. Um, the 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 setup of a uh, Sandland is is sort of very inspired by uh, Mad Max, Metal Mass esque uh, sort of environment, sand environment, um, almost post apocalyptic style, where and um, you uh, play as like this uh, character named. Uh, Beelzebub, kind of um, like a like a prince. It's like a demon it, child it, prince. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, a series where demons and humans coexist with one another. So they're kind of um, they're, they're, he travels with uh, Sheriff Rao and uh, the thief uh, who is a demon. Uh, they're on this adventure to go find this legendary spring that's hidden in the world, in this desert world. So, uh, in the the preliminary uh, things that they showed uh, in this trailer was, you know, very much in the spirit of Sandland of like, hey, you're going to be exploring in like a variety of like different vehicles. So you see something that looks like a metal slug in there, something that looks like sort of like a robotic mech armor there. Yeah, like a buggy, a mech, a hover. Uh, They have like some sort of like crawler with like Gatling guns on it. And they're all like that Toriyama Flare style. It comes through pretty well. 
Yeah, there's a lot of variety okay. in the gameplay that they've shown in general. They have they even have some like fast paced like platforming, and then like some slower pace that looks more like stealthy. Yeah, you get out of it, and like you, there's like a melee aspect to it. Um, there's like some uh, traversal aspects to it, like in terms of like um, grapple lines uh, in the environment. So it 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 looks really really cool um, uh, from this first gameplay impression. I, I need to like I haven't really read up on Sandland itself. Like I need to read up on the source material and maybe go watch the the film because like right now it's like. I'm not uh, like it's not really hitting for me as much as it should because like I'm not really I don't know much about the source material. If I did, I'm sure I would fucking love it. But for me, it's like if like when it's like comes to these like these IP uh, sort of like uh, adaptations, like like let's say One Piece Odyssey for example. Like I'm not really these fan, so like I wasn't really um, like really sold on One Piece Odyssey and never really got it. But you know, Sandland is a one shot manga. It's much it's it's much easier to like get caught up on it's not like an ongoing thing it's kind of like its own separate isolated thing so i'll I'll just like you know read that like you know and and finish that and maybe we'll watch the animation project and i'm you know i've uh it's hopefully they they do this uh thing justice you know it looks really really cool and toriyama is a incredible fucking artist like that doesn't really need to be said but when i see that trailer originally you know because the robots that they were like you know, uh, using it kind of <laughs> makes me wish there was a crow trigger <laughs> in the stack. You know, yeah. Like, oh man. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's just, they're they're really going out all out for Sandland, um, either, uh, this year or ne- or next year, depending on when when this comes out and when this uh and when the film comes out. Um, but that's that's really cool. You know, why not? Like just having more of, uh, Toriyama stuff in HD playable is fucking neat. There were a few other RPG-related announcements at Summer Games Fest. Um, like we got a new squad-based RPG called King Arthur Legends Rise, but it was mostly a cinematic trailer. And then alongside of the gameplay trailer, uh, we had a little bit of a look-in on Baldur's Gate 3. Um, the antagonist is going to be acted by Jason Isaacs, who was Lucius Malfoy in Harry Potter series. And then we got... Um, Another look at one of the new Amazon Games MMOs, uh, Throne of Liberty, which, you know, it's an MMO trailer, so it's hard to know exactly like how much of it is just concept and when we'll actually see it, because none of these things were announced in terms of the MMO. We did get that the announcement that Honkai Star Rail will be arriving on PlayStation 5 before the end of the year in 2023. And as our resident new Star Rail expert, Chow, was there anything here that they showed with the update or they recently updated the one the game to 1.1 like how has your star rail experience been going since the release back in april i mean i still enjoy the game but once you get to end game there's really nothing to do it's up for grinding right but, wow uh, that sounds just like yes. <laughs> yes it is that problem again um they're dripping content because the main story is not updated yet so if you want to come back and hear that oh there's a new patch but no, the main story has not updated. We're still left in the kind of like a middle of nowhere, so we're kind of like not having anything. Okay, so what, 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 what did this trailer show, child? Did, what, like, what is there anything relevant that like you that got you excited? Like, I know they showcased a new character that just recently released on it. Uh, um, char- uh, there is an event that that's related to this character, and this character is awesome. Uh, this new character is Silver Wolf. She's a hacker. She's a gamer, and if you're a gamer. You can totally relate to her because she will no, have all these like not, not a game, not not a gamer. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> she'll text you and it will be like, "Hey, have you heard about that new gotcha banner?" And it's like, uh, your character can you know re- 
have different replies and you could reply like what the hell you're talking about or yeah i'm interested and she'll be like hey just poll don't hesitate you'll get it and you know that seems kind of i don't know like, then, I, I, then, I, I, I get i get that like it's like it's it's, it's a meta it's uh it's kind of like a, you know kind of breaking the fourth wall tongue in cheek but, yeah. also, but it's but it's also kind of like kind of pulling like kind of peer pressuring you if you don't have like pulls to like that's what she said, but you know what happened to her? Because right after you finish that piece of lie, it turns out she was rolling and she didn't get what she wants, and she basically mm-hmm. like sent tears emo to you. Mm-hmm. So, so you can just be like her for real, for real if you do that. But relate to her. This, this entire event, there's a okay. So in this, there's this new event. They introduced this new character called Screwlum. It's like this robot that you see in like the light cones art. He's like this robot, and he's like this genius so it's like this event this entire event is like teen hacker versus a 4d chest <laughs> like galaxy brains and the event is fucking hilarious on what happens to silver wolf you know because she I, like her entire life is a game like she is looking for a challenge and she will do anything that will that will get her old boredom so like if you're applying for the new event just do it for a silver wolf event that'll, that'll do it did the um, one point did the one point one update release? Like I, I see here early June. Yeah, it, 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 it's released. The one point one okay. released. Okay. Uh, but the thing is, not all the events are available yet. So only the first two events is available. The first event is that's time gated. It is time gated, but it's better than how Genshin handles things. Um, basically, any event that are expired, they added this kind of like a memories of re- recollection or something, and you could just kind of like play past events that you missed out on like Genshin where if you missed them it's gone permanently um, but now you can actually visit old events it's just that how the system in Honkai is that you don't get the exact same rewards as they first launched the, the rewards are more scaled down imagine that you only get like a thousand gems in the original event now you only get like 600 you know it's like scaled down for not playing it on launch and I, I, I could take that. I, I could take rewards being missed out r- rather than completely like missed out like key events like in, in Genshin because some of them are like related to like story characters. Like the first event that had Mona in it, uh, it, it's actually like even setting up like the new bad guy for the next arc. And then like when you start the next arc, it's like, if, let's just say you never played the event. It's like, where was the setup? Oh, it was in that event that you fucking missed out like a year ago. And you're like, what? so it's like it's one of those things and uh, it's like this game fixes like every problem that happens in Genshin that Genshin just refuses to fix it's like Genshin is like their little black sheep that they don't give a shit about but it makes them money so they have to go back to it or some crap okay back to the new trailer trailer. is there anything in the new Honkai Star Rail trailer that like you don't that Honkai Star Rail players didn't know about uh Probably not. I think they know more than what they revealed. I I think because hardcore community probably paid too much attention to the leagues, and they're all like saving their gems for like the big character that are going to come out in like the next two patches. Okay, so there's that. So so aside from the uh, the 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 launch trailer, not the the PlayStation release window like announcement from this trailer, there's nothing new in the trailer really. I, I don't think so. Like I watched the trailer and you know it was like it's more like a promo for like the current arc because okay. like you know Silver was a big deal. Uh like she is the new five star limited character and 
you know, if you're into Honkai, you know, there she has the same face as Branya. Branya is like in every single like Hoyoverse kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, like everything is done to promote her, and then it, the other thing is to promote the PS PS5 launch. I know some players are really bummed out about this news because they don't have PS4 support. You know, I guess they oh, don't yeah, want. Yeah, uh, that that does that does that doesn't make sense. Why there won't be any PS4 support? Maybe they see it as a dying con- console and don't want to support it. Really? Wanna... I, 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 would th- I would think yeah, it has a fucking massive install base. Already. That's what I would assume. It's <laughs> like, but they figure it's like, you know, maybe it's very late in the life cycle. They don't want to support it and, and stuck in the final think If you think about the long run, yeah, I guess. If you, if you think about, like, do we really want to keep on supporting PS4, like, five years down the line, you know? Uh, well, at least so. they weren't stupid enough to announce a Switch announcement. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Where's that Genshin uh, Switch port, guys? I, I the, the personally on my end, I'm. You're done. I, it, well, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna touch Star Rail again, probably because like I, I found my game that I enjoy, but it's I, I'm happy for the people who enjoy Star Rail. That's fine. I get it. Uh-huh. I understand why they like it. I, I like playing this game that no one plays, and I think it's really cool just having like my own smaller secret game that I play while everyone plays the popular one, and I'm just playing a smaller thing. Like I, I love everything about this game. It's just you know, I, I just don't like their business model and the drip feeding content that they do from Genshin. It's like, here, have a little, have a little bite. Come back next day and give a little well, bite. Not, Imagine well, going not, to not, it. Now you can just hopscotch between the two games and you'll be good, right? No, it's okay no. because because uh, like uh, the, this time gate event shit. It's like it's like I, I'm feeling it too because in the in the small little game that I play, which is Aether Gazer, still. Uh, that I talked about like last week, I think. Like it has like a like it has its first event, and it's all it's there's a, there's there's multiple time gates to this fucking event too. Uh, so it's stupid, but I'm just like I hate, fucking hate modern gotcha gaming so much. Imagine imagine going to McDonald's and you order the Happy Meal, and you only get the fries, and they tell you to come back next day you want the soft drink. <laughs> imagine uh, that. No, I want but the that is the Hoyoverse experience. But it's okay because uh, I got super lucky in my super secret game, and I got like the new limited uh, character. I, uh, one, my one luck roll, ran out, and, and her signature weapon in roll, one roll. And I'm like, yeah, I, th- I thought this was gonna be my one way to like, you know, maybe I should like not play this game anymore because gotcha games are bad. But then, you know, uh, you know what? You know what? Luck in in Honkai is I haven't won the fifty fifty pots. No, I, I use the role simulator that counts all your roles, and it <laughs> says I have won the 50 50 zero times. <laughs> well, uh, all right, yeah, well, that, that's our little fucking gremlin update for the, the, bad, <laughs> the bad games that we play. The last thing that I have listed here, I believe, from Summer Games Fest that we're covering here is uh, Lies of P. This is that unexplainable souls like Pinocchio story super grim dark has a release date of september 19th for playstation xbox and pc and then available now there is a demo um, i do know that i saw some people in our discord had played this and had some impressions on it i didn't really dive too deeply into what they thought i haven't played the demo myself but it is available now and yeah, we got I, a new I, release date trailer alongside the uh, announcement i played a tiny bit of the demo uh you know that's very much you know like you're very much a bloodborne in terms of like how it, like it controls and like the the flow of combat 
I do like, and I think it's like one of the left bumper or left trigger. You can like use like the steel arm uh, that Pinocchio hands, uh, Pinocchio has, and like you can like charge up a fucking full full punch and like the one shot like a grunt with it, which is really funny. I do think that like the their their blood vial system uh, uh, is kind of interesting, where it's like you're, you don't you don't farm for blood vial consumables like in Bloodborne. It's 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 like it's much more on a charge system where like. You consume a blood vial, and if you want to like restore more blood vial charges, like you have to continually like kind of engage in combat, land hits to kind of charge up like the like your health resources uh, in it. But I only got like I only was able to touch it up for very briefly because I had other stuff to do. So uh, maybe I'll check it out more uh, uh, later, or maybe I'll just wait for the full game. Like I don't know. Like I, I'm just like it's one of those. It's like okay, I I see that it's like a a full working game and like it seems interesting so maybe i'll just wait for the full release i don't know was there a demo before of liza p because i remember people were talking about it and so it was very jank back in the day um maybe it was like on a hands-on event um that james went to their contributor went to uh but i don't uh, think i i don't think it had um a public demo, maybe. Yeah, I did have a public demo. It might, it might have, it might have been like a hands-on demo, like at a preview event, or like some sort, of, or some sort of like stress test. But yeah, yeah. So, but for you know the way it plays, like I, I don't think it's kind of jank. I think it. I, 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 what I think is they should have kept the placeholder voices that they that was going around social media. Oh yeah, I it. they should, they, they should, have, they should have kept that. that. I would have been like super sold on the game. Um, if they kept that, I'd be like, oh man, that's that's amazing. And that covers us for all the announcements, at least all the RPG adjacent ones from Summer Games Fest. Of course, like we stated, and already kind of shown with his Ever Crisis preview piece, but James is has a few appointments this weekend, and will hopefully over the next seven days and be back with us next week on the podcast to talk about his hands-on experience at the event. So, of course, we're looking forward to that. And then alongside all of the other events that are going to be happening over the, the next week. We'll move now into the announcements from the Gorilla Collective stream. I believe this was on Tuesday or Wednesday. It was a day or two before the Summer Games Fest streams. Um, a lot more of indie AA sort of titles here. Uh, I kind of marked it as three announcements and then three updates on previously announced games. Um, I'll do the announcements first and we'll just kind of go through these uh, one by one pretty quickly. Um, we got an announcement of a game called Terra Memoria. This is from being published by Dear Villagers. And this is kind of an interesting game that has kind of an HD 2D art style, very meant to be very like chill and relaxed. They actually kind of market it as a cozy RPG, which is always, it seems to be like a growing market for those sorts of games, games that are low stress, kind of high um, immersion. Yeah, this uh, has a really cool look to this game. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's like a mix between like a like a Stardew Valley and a Rune Factory, but in a more like RPG wrapper. So like an HD 2D Harvestella, maybe that's based on the announcement trailer. Just me gleaning from like 40 seconds of footage. So you can make um, you can make train tracks. You can. <laughs> I don't know why you make train tracks, but you sure can make train tracks. Yeah. So it's announced for all consoles: Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, and Steam. Actually, only next gen. So Switch, but not PS4, or Xbox One, um, but and Steam, but no. Uh, no release date quite yet. This is just an initial announcement. And we have, of course, a news post on site with the initial screenshots and the uh, press release for the game from the publisher. We also got the announcement of Dark Deity 2, announced for PC uh, only at this time. 
Uh, Dark Deity came out like a year or two ago as a very clearly Fire Emblem inspired indie title. I believe Jess covered it for us for the site. Um, Dark Deity won. Uh, her impressions were kind of lukewarm, like more positive than negative, but didn't like the world on fire. But apparently they was successful enough to greenlight a sequel. So we got an announcement trailer for Dark Deity 2. Very clearly GBA Fire Emblem as kind of like the target aesthetic and audience. I, that this seems I don't know if like I don't <laughs> for me it's like I feel like you if if this is coming out either this year or next year it, it feels like this game was like always in development um I, even as the first one was coming out I don't think this is like a game you start developing after the first game comes out if that hmm. you know what I mean all right like yeah like th- th- that's my impression of it because when I when I think of game development I think of like this is the, the these this is a lengthy process right. So I don't think it's like one of those things. Like it got, it got greenlit just as like at the moment that the as soon as they confirmed, hey, the the first one sold well. Um, I think it's they're my, probably in development works. before it was sold. It, it's like was it? Do you remember? Was it Mighty Number no. Nine? Mm-hmm. And they were like already doing like asking crowdfunding for a sequel. Well, not like a sequel, but like a like a different side project, Red Ash. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Before that. The game even came out, and people were like, "Why are you like uh, getting money for a game that you haven't even released yet?" It's like, "Oh, this is standard industry. We already like have plans and sequels before it even sells and stuff, or something like that." You know, that's and, true. I mean, uh, I mean that, that that does that, that does happen quite a bit in the industry of like when you think about like big big series that they already have like you know thinking about a sequel like uh, in development. Whether they start developing or not in, in earnest is another story. But there's always like. Pre plans of like, hey, if we refer to make a follow up, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Forspoken. I mean, the DLC ends with the sequel. Let's fucking go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I want to see the Forspoken 2 that docks. The last uh, game announcement that was uh, given at the Guerrilla Collective was a turn based RPG called Grifford Academy. It is very much kind of like a Harry Potter themed sort of RPG in terms of like a wizarding school dealing with monsters, learning how to cast magic, a trio of protagonists and pretty, pretty thorough trailer for an announcement. Um, Only announced for PC and mobile, uh, no release date, but a fairly detailed press release talking about how the combat works, how the progression works and a, a decent number of screenshots. It almost kind of looks like Telltale game esque in a bit, but uh, with, yeah. more, oh, with, yeah. with, with more RPG like flavoring to it. It, it, I, it, it like it does it does adopt that sort of like um, presentation that not a lot of games use, where like they have like the the main text conversation be at the middle of uh, vertical, like it's like it's like a vertical pillar at the mm-hmm. center of the screen, going. It kind of gives it a distinct look from from uh, other uh, mm-hmm. uh, types of games. So those are the three uh, kind of RPG adjacent announcements from Gorilla Collective. We did get some updates on some previously announced uh, RPGs. Now, two of these, we kind of got a new trailer kind of showcasing some more of the gameplay of the game, but really no other details about release. Uh, those two are Sacrifier and Demon School. So Sacrifier was initially announced, I believe, two years ago when it was kickstarted in 2021 and then demon school was at the pc gaming show last year uh both of these are like tba announced 2023 but 
these we got a new look in here at the Gorilla Collective, but no release date quite yet. Um, both of them got a new gameplay trailer. For Sacrifier, it focuses mostly on combat. And one of the key things from the Sacrifier trailer that is very obvious is one of the main marketing points that they've been making is that uh, Sakuraba of like Bales and um, Star Ocean fame has been doing the uh, soundtrack. Has did Sakuraba do Star Ocean? I know he did Tales. Yeah, Sakuraba does the Star Ocean. I don't know. I, I don't know if like. Sakuraba is like doing like the whole soundtrack, or we're just contributing to a track or two. I don't I don't know what the extent of Sakuraba's, um, like contribution is to to Sacrifier. Yeah, yeah but then uh, the the soundtrack on Sacrifier sounds very clearly Sakuraba. Like it sounds like it could have been pulled from another game. Yeah, so, so, yeah. yeah. He's yeah, so just to be clear, yeah, because because there will be some like you know indie games that will say, hey, like. Yasunori Mitsuda was on this, and like they only did like the theme of the game and like not the rest of the tracks. So yeah, so don't just, know, just don't know, yeah, that. don't know the extent of contribution here. But the soundtrack they picked for the trailer definitely clearly is Sakuraba. Um, and then uh, Demon School got also got a, a look in trailer. Um, very interesting kind of perspective here uh, of the like the kind of the horror tactical aesthetic. It kind of reminds me of the very first Persona game. If you get what I'm saying, it's yeah. without the. The tactical elements to it but like the just like when you're in the classroom with the like the isometric yeah, it, view and like the yeah it's, 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 it's uh, yeah it's, it's definitely meant to evoke that feeling of like uh how older persona games had their like battle systems isometric mm-hmm. um wise um so like yeah, that's kind of the big selling point like one of the points when they first announced this game along with, like the the italian um roots art style uh and the very distinct look to it um, like the 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 new trailer that they showed uh, at the Guerrilla Collective um, was uh, showing off more uh, like party members, including um, Ti and Kestrel, um, I believe, from the press release. And so, in, in the first line under the trailer, they say Persona and Shin Megami Tensei. They also say yeah. Italian horror cinema. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> Never seen an Italian horror movie in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, you can yeah, you can be introduced to the concept by playing uh, Demon School. Hopefully, it's cool. You know, it, it looks re- it looks really neat. It's very visually striking. Um, all I, all I really need to do is like really stick the landing, and hopefully, you know, it does that. Then, then the last indie game that we got an update on is for World of Horror. Uh, this is a game that's been in early access since like 2020. It's been in early access for like two or three years. I remember it was in one of the PC gaming shows. Uh, right when E3 was just winding down, right before the pandemic. This is like got the monochromatic, uh, almost like adventure game art style. I don't know how else to really describe it without pulling up the trailer for it. But it's finally got a full official release date coming out of early access. Uh, it'll be releasing on October 19th, 2023. That includes uh, multiple PC clients, Steam, GOG, and Itch, as well as um, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Nintendo Switch. Yeah, so. that's uh, that, that's uh, that's something I've been re- looking forward to for years. It's like a horror RPG. The art style is uh, very, very inspired by Junji Ito. Um, it, it just has a distinct look and feel to it that I've just been, uh, you know, eagerly anticipating for a long time. So hopefully, the, the October nineteenth release date that they announced uh, does stick and is like going to be the no more delays after that. Um, it's a long road because I know it's a, it's the, it's it got it's gone through development hell up and down uh, behind the scenes mm-hmm. shortly. So, well, um, 
we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see what the what final final game looks like. I'm definitely gonna check it out. Come hell or high water, I guess. And that covers it for the uh, Gorilla Collective. So we've covered both the Summer Games Fest and that. Uh, just a few more other headlines before we wrap out this first of two pretty packed news-focused podcasts. Um, this one is one that was announced a couple years ago and then went dark. Um, the re-release of the 2002 original Xbox RPG Enclave was announced. Enclave HD was announced a couple years ago. It finally now has a release date of June 29th for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch from developer Starbreeze and publisher Ziggurat. I guess Ziggurat's doing the uh, doing the remake or the re-release. And the reason why I brought this up is because it's coming out on June 29th. So is it June 29th or July 29th? One sec. Uh, July 29th. Okay, July 29th. Sorry, I think I misspoke earlier. July 29th is that Xbox original and early Xbox 360 kind of has a lot of these like hidden gem, good word of mouth games. I'm thinking like uh, Cameo and um, like Azurex. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. In, in, uh, in, in the trailer, it says June 29th. In the, in, the, in the article, it says June 29th, but then our database says July. The original release date was July 29th. Okay, I see that. Okay, I see it now. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> okay, so to, to, to clarify, Enclave came out on July 29th, 2002. Enclave's re-release is coming out June 29th this year. There we yes. go. Yes. I saw those two numbers. I'm like, wait, is it June or July? Um, but yeah, anyway, that's that's so it's just like, it's kind of neat to see like some of these original Xbox games or Xbox 360 games like that are odd exclusives that never really made it big, but kind of might have like a cult following. I don't really know how well, like if, if I pull up Metacritic's page for Enclave, I have no idea what I'm going to see. Let's see what I find out. Enclave, Metacritic. I would like to see Jade Dynasty on other platforms. 71. So maybe, maybe maybe he's got some hidden like good ideas, but I'm always just a, a fan of you know preservation and making games available to more players, and maybe it'll be kind of an interesting little um, a game for adventurous people to try out. But yep, coming out in just a few weeks. Kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, we got an announcement from NIS America that they will be delisting six of their published games from PlayStation Network and the Nintendo Switch eShop. Uh, these games include. Demon Gaze, Demon Gaze 2, God Wars, The Lost Child, and Natural Doctrine. These delistings will begin June 11th, so basically as we're recording this podcast, and will continue through the end of the year towards November. Now, the reason for this seems to be based on the fact that NIS America was publishing the Western release of Kadokawa Games titles that were that they self-published in Japan. However, Kadokawa Games back in May of 2022 um, kind of split with a lot of its talent, including its CEO, forming a new company called Dragami Games. So basically, this seems just seems like kind of licenses or IP ownership might be changing hands. And it's happened previously with NIS America with the Danganronpa series, which were eventually relisted under Spike Chunsoft. So I know I just listed like a lot of different series and titles there, but it seems like we have some precedent for this. These games should hopefully come back to the platforms once the uh, rights or the IP ownership is transferred to the new publisher. But for those that want to own it on the PlayStation Network or the eShop, just note that they will uh, be delisting over the next couple months. It looks like Demon's Gaze is coming out, uh, is being delisted from the Vita 
like within a day or two, followed by The Lost Child, uh, then God Wars, and then the others uh, throughout the rest of the year. Um, our news posts on this from Josh Valentino give out all the dates as well, of, of course, as of course, uh, Nice America's official announcement of the delisting. So just kind of a heads up here of some games being unaccessible on some storefronts for hopefully a limited time. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's like it's like one of those things. Like, it, not, nothing's ever guaranteed, right? Because like at, le- at least with Demon Gaze, like you have Demon Gaze Extra re-released on uh, Steam under Dragami, mm. but then like Demon Gaze Two never hits Steam. So once that's delisted, the, there'll be no way to get Demon Gaze Two, uh, you know, uh, in the West uh, as far as re- as we know. The God God Wars and the uh, God Wars: The Complete Legend. Like you, you can, uh, I, I know there's a form of like God Wars on uh, Steam. Through like like the complete collection and everything like that, so God Wars is preserved in some way in that aspect. I think it's also on Switch. Oh yeah, the, this also shows that the Switch is being delisted. So God Wars could still be gotten on Steam, um, as far as I know. Um, the Lost Child never went to Steam, I believe, um, and just, uh, and Natural Doctrine never went on Steam. So, and for those like especially Natural Doctrine, like those are very very old titles. So uh, there's no guarantee that Dragami will like put it up back themselves, whether it's on another platform or the same platforms, you know. So I, I wouldn't take it for granted. Uh, yeah, personally. We're, I, obviously we're kind of we're kind of hoping and expecting they will, but we don't know how long the process will take or if it will reach the finish line. So just yeah. as good of NIS, good of NIS America to give the heads up, even though arguably not a lot of heads up for some of these games delisting literally on the 11th. Yeah, and and, and remember like this on. Uh, on top of didn't um NIS America uh do do a price hike um like in the last few months too or already I think they raised the titles for like uh, like an East title and some older titles as well or uh, uh, which is weird so I don't remember. NIS America raised prices. Um, Looks like they did a couple years ago. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if it was a couple. Of, oh, okay, yeah, on the 2021. Wow, sorry, it was 2021. Holy shit! It felt like a few months ago. What the fuck? <laughs> that's that's how I feel half the time. Uh, holy shit, dude! Uh, in other news, this is not really related to any of the other topics, but um, Star Wars: The Old Republic, which has been owned and developed by Bioware and, of course, by owner publisher Electronic Arts. Based on a post from IGN, it seems like that Electronic Arts is getting ready to transfer like the ownership and maintenance of Star Wars The Old Republic from Bioware to a third-party studio, uh, reportedly called Broadsword Online Games, so that Bioware can kind of shift back its focus towards the um, single-player projects such as Dragon, Dragon Age and Mass Effect. So... I am not a player of Star Wars The Old Republic. I haven't gone on their like Reddit page to see how they feel about this news. Um, the only like precedent that I'm aware of is that um, I do know that Lord of the Rings Online transferred ownership way back in the day from its original uh, developer over to Standing Stone Games. And of course, that was kind of in the news recently because Amazon's making another uh, Lord of the Rings MMO apparently in the next decade or so. So it's kind of like, I don't know exactly like whether this is good news or bad news, because I guess you kind of have to hope that like things progress as normal. Obviously, Star Wars Old Republic is not a new game anymore, but probably has a loyal, dedicated fan base, hoping that if it does change hands, that it will just keep maintaining things and giving it the support it needs for its current player base. 
yeah, it's uh, it's, all, it's always tricky to like you know start winding down a, a like an MMO that's gone on for a while. Like I, I can't even imagine like what what Blizzard will do when they have to start thinking about winding down WoW World of Warcraft because I'm sure they've probably discussed it internally many times, and it's like, well, can we do it now? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well. Well, I do know like the, the term maintenance mode is almost like a derogatory term in terms of like a game that gets no content updates anymore. But I'm sure that's kind of like a thankless job that, you know, making sure that the, you know, server issues are sorted and maintenance is performed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the experience for those that are still playing the game or like I could go and start my new old Republic character now if I wanted to, making sure that my experience is still going to be OK as a newcomer to the game, um, potentially. So. If this does end up reportedly being true, hopefully it's as seamless as possible. And, you know, I'm not familiar with Broadsword online games, but it'd be kind of interesting for... Uh, they did mention that, um, you know, obviously one of the considerations here is current staff on Bioware working on Star Wars The Old Republic. You know, are they going to have positions or is there going to be redundancy or, is, you know, are there layoffs pending? Obviously, we hope that's as, you know, minimized as well. So... Or they're going to be finding new new roles working on the new single player projects over with Dragon Age or Mass Effect. So, kind of a lot of a speculation at this point, but this is all just based on the report from IGN. So once things are official, we'll follow up if needed. Two tiny little small news updates here at the end. Uh, I had no idea where to place this one. Um, the long announced, long dormant release of Vampire: The Masquerade. Bloodlines 2. So this game has had kind of a surprise announcement and then sudden uh, removal of our hard suit labs from the project. Paradox, the publisher, has been dark for a long time on the status of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. Uh, they recently posted that they are promising a full re-reveal of the cult classic sequel later this year in September. They've also released a new batch of screenshots and they've said those that have pre-ordered certain editions of the game, since the game has effectively been rebooted, they are announcing that they're refunding all physical pre-orders. Um, and then digital pre-orders can be refunded by request of the buyer. The most interesting thing about this is that this is the only game entity that I'm aware of on our site that underneath on the sidebar, if you go to rpgsite.net, it'll say publisher Paradox Interactive, developer unknown. Cause we just, we just do not, we just do not know. Like it's, it was hard suit labs and then they were pulled off. They were, they brought back the writer, Brian Mitsoda. And then he was let go. That was a kind of its own little mini controversy. Paradox has promised that the game is still being worked on and they're kind of doing the same thing here, but it's kind of like, we'll hear more in September. If you paid for it, we'll refund you. So this is just kind of a very strange thing to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned, I guess, because we don't fucking know either. <laughs> It's a uh, it's a mess. But, and I I remember yeah. back in like 2020 or was it 2019? I don't remember how long ago it was. Like they were doing like regular marketing. Like every yeah. couple of weeks they were saying, "Here's one of the vampire clans. Here's the Malkavians." I'm, I might be forgetting some of the specific names and uh, the 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 areas that they live and what they specialize in. And then it just went dark, like for years and years. So we will we will follow back up in September to see what the status of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines Two is. And the last thing, we'll end this podcast on a positive note. Octopath Traveler 2 has surpassed 1 million units sold worldwide. Obviously, a good milestone 
for that game. It's kind of releasing in a different paradigm from the first game, which, of course, was um, initially Switch exclusive and then made its way to PC and Xbox. This one released on PC, Switch and PlayStation, not on Xbox. I do know that there's some rumor mongering that it bombed or people were concerned about it. And people are still kind of wondering, is a million sales good or not for this game? Clearly, the Square Enix is uh, official. Good. Yeah, I mean, they're, they celebrated it and gave new artwork on it on their social media page. So seems like it's good to me. Obviously, uh, a game that we've talked about on the podcast previously with pretty high regards kind of across the board. Something yeah. I, yeah, I need to make time for one day. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad yeah. it's doing good. I always keep seeing the game being discounted a lot in a lot of shops. So I'm wondering if it's like, done really poorly. But... You know, a million milestones, like some positive note, I guess. And that ends us, that wraps up all the news from this week of the TetraCast. Of course, I've kind of already spent a decent amount of time preempting all the stuff we'll see next week. Not only new announcements that are yet to be announced on all the different showcases that are going to be happening over the next seven days, but also following up on some of the leaks that we initially were able to talk about this week. Of course, from James's impressions as he's back next week about the stuff that he's experiencing hands-on. And then, you know, things that we can't even plan for, the the, the known unknowns uh, going into next week. So there's a Capcom showcase in two days, right? Well, I mean, I kind of I kind of listed a lot of them. Let's go back through them. It's Capcom, RGG, Xbox, of course, um, PC gaming show. Uh, there's one I'm missing, I know, at least. So there's there's a handful of them. Yeah. And oh, I mean, there's just gonna be a lot. <laughs> I, I, the, that's the lot of shows. Like, there's a lot. <laughs> there what is. Get for killing E3. It'll be shows every day. Yeah. There is a lot. But uh, as always, thank you all so much for listening. All of the news posts, as we stay on top of them, uh, will be on our website at rpgsite.net. A uh, big shout out to all of our different contributors that contribute to keeping on top of that news uh, as we get up on the site and yeah. talk about it here. Because I come home and during the day and just catching up on all these trailers, like, where was this announced? Uh, and then you get the trailer, you get the publisher details, sometimes late, or it's or you get the same game showing up in multiple events with slightly different information. So sometimes it takes a lot to kind of wrangle it all together and get it presentable, uh, either on the news or in within the podcast format. Yeah, uh, the, you know. The show, like Adam stepped out earlier to to do new stuff because you know he was feeling stressed and wanted to do news, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, a big shout out to Adam and and one of our newer contributors, Josh Tolentino, for keeping it up on you know that that end of of the news. And of course, shout out to James once again for holding it down for us over there on site, uh, over in Los Angeles. You know, it's it's uh, it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for them. Mm-hmm. and you can incredible you can find rpg site on all the social media platforms just search for rpg site on youtube facebook twitter instagram and you should be able to find us uh, you can join our discord by hitting the link at the top of our homepage or going to discord.gg slash rpg site talk about all the announcements or the new demos as they release uh, still that rumored or not even rumored announced but don't know the date of the final fantasy 16 demo might be landing anytime soon because uh, we're only a few weeks away from that game releasing so that's also in the background. Uh, please, if you listen to this podcast and you have uh, either good things to say or things we can improve on, go ahead and leave us a comment or a rating. We'd love to see those. Uh, and we will be back next week with likely a fairly long episode of the TetraCast. So I will reconvene with hopefully the whole crew then. Um, but until you hear from us following up then, stay safe and take care. And we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>